For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. You know, when the temperatures do drop and they will drop as we head across November, December and January, then it's all about how efficient your home is. And I was touching on this story earlier in the week with regards to the SEAI grants. These are the sustainable energy grants that are available uh, to families uh, and homes that have lowish or low BER ratings. Now, your BER rating is your BER. It can be anything from an A to an F, I think. Um, and uh, if the further down the alphabet you are, the more inefficient your home is. But um, the story earlier in the week was saying that uh, only, only um, uh, less than 100, I think 89 homes were completed under the scheme because there are grants grants available. Now, they had set a target of 62,500 uh, refits per year, and they figured that by 2030 they would refit uh, maybe anywhere between 300,000 and 500,000 homes. It's a story buried away in the... Well, it's not buried away in the examiner, but it's important to, to talk about it because one of the reasons isn't people applying for it. It's the roadblock in approving grant applications. Apparently, people are applying for it, but there are incredible lengthy delays in actually approving the grant application. And a typical example of it is a story in the examiner this morning of a family home that would cost €78,500 to have the cavity walls pumped, the heating system redone with new radiators, new pipes, attic insulation and solar panels. So all that's available. This was a home that was built in the mid-80s, a bungalow. Uh, So the total cost €78,500 to get it done properly, but the grant only totals 24,000. So one of the main reasons why the scheme isn't working is because of the roadblock with regards to applications. So that's the latest update on that one. You get further details online at SEAI Grants. Uh, But the examiner and indeed the Red Tops and the Echo this morning uh, lead with um, the Flannery family. Uh, Elaine Flannery, at the age of 59, died from cervical cancer in October 2014. Um, I'm not saying that I knew Elaine Flannery, but I certainly spoke to her on the air uh, many years ago. Lovely lady, beautiful lady, passed away. uh, And the family were in court yesterday. um, And all they were looking for was an apology from the HSE. And that's what the papers are leading with this morning. We want an apology over our mum's death. No apology. What's the harm in just saying a simple sorry? A lot of the time, you know, organisations, certainly as big as the HSE, won't always apologise. They'll kind of circle the wagons uh, and it will end up in court a lot of the time. And this one did. So the papers lead with it today because the family did take the HSC uh, to court and they settled an action against them for €675,000 in compensation. But no sorry, no apology. And that meant more to them. So it had to do with, a, like in many other cases like this, tragically, a smear slide. Um, at the issue of the action was a smear slide taken from Elaine Flannery in November 2010. And then she was diagnosed with invasive cervical cancer two years later in 2012. So that leads many of, of the papers this morning. And so does the change to our licensing laws we were chatting about yesterday morning. Front page of the mirror says, Sup for the match, where publicans and punters are hailing the extended opening hours for bars as a long-awaited lifeline for the industry. Mind you, um, I know that Paul Montgomery was talking to me on air yesterday uh, saying, you know, there may not be enough demand for late pubs and nightclub hours, particularly outside of Dublin. So this morning, the Echo talks with uh, Monty and the talk with John Stiles at at uh, Reardon's. They talked to uh, Sean McCarthy, the owner of Soho Bar. He said he was surprised at the decision. 
without any major consultation, which is quite true, actually, because many people yesterday morning were saying that's all very well. But what about a late bus service? What about uh, um, the fact that there won't be enough taxis? What about issues regarding antisocial behaviour? People drinking too much and coming out of clubs at six in the morning. People getting hurt and having to go more to the A&D. So that's interesting uh, in that regard. Mind you, um, the Mirror this morning talks about all of the decade changes when it comes to the licensing laws in Ireland since the 1920s. And they say, like for instance, in 1927, the sale of alcohol was banned on St. Patrick's Day, on Christmas Day and on Good Friday. Then they jump along to the 1970s uh, when some pubs were still refusing to allow women to enter at all. And some only allowed women enter a pub if they were accompanied by a man. Um, There was a pub in Cork on the south side years ago that wouldn't serve women pints, would only serve glasses. And then others said that women could come in, but only if they went into the snug. So in the 70s then, 73, the pubs opened their door for the first time. And actually, that was the case that I've just described there, even up into the 1980s when it came to women. 73, they opened the doors for the first day on St. Patrick's Day. And in 2000, the holy hour which was two to four on a Sunday when pubs had to close their door, that was abolished in the year of the millennium. And, of course, here on Leaside, we also had a second holy hour, which was half past two to half past three. And then, 2018, the 90-year ban on the sale of alcohol on Good Friday ended. And then last year, we got minimum pricing. But I think, I mean, the pubs are still closed on Christmas Day, right? There will come a time when that will also change as well. Now, whether you'll get staff or not, that's another story. In fact, staff makes the echo today because 382 county council staff have been shed in 15 years. And what's alarming about this is they're all involved in maintenance in our Cork towns and villages. And that's why uh, they're saying that maybe we're not seeing as much uh, maintenance on our streets or indeed our green areas um, across the city, suburbs and county. It's a story that makes this morning's echo. And of course, Ukrainian refugees never far from the air and indeed never far from the papers. And this morning, the Sun says the latest plan now is that Ukrainian refugees will be uh, set to be housed temporarily at army barracks around the country uh, because um, those that were coming into the country over the weekend literally were walking the streets. So the government plans to warn Ukrainians about the housing crisis on social media to just think twice about coming to Ireland because we just don't have accommodation to put them in. Now, even in spite of the fact that they're going to double the recognition payment, as they call it, for households from 400 to 800 euros for those that take in refugees. They need people to accept that offer for to make a change. You know what our healthcare system, um, and it's never all that far from us on the air with the amount of ambulances that get backed up at either the Mercy or the CUH with patients on board and a full crew of ambulance staff on board as well who can't get the patient into the hospital. I only mention that because I was reading this morning in The Independent that there is a new system called Pathfinder, which is being led by the National Ambulance Service. And fair play to them for thinking, as they used to say, out of the box, trying to work out how can we make this better. Um, so particularly for the elderly, uh, and the change could be, for instance, an elderly, elderly person being assessed by an advanced paramedic, an occupational therapist or a physiotherapist in their own home. Right, and being provided with an alternative to hospital care where they get the treatment that they need at home. That's why it's the headline 999 plan, or at least a new one, will treat elderly at home to cut the hospital trolley weight. And for those of you that are at home and working from home, up until now, and it will change, up until now, the deck was very much stacked in favour of the employer 
if you wanted to work from home and they've lot they had lots of reasons given as to why they were turning it down nature of the work um you know it just wouldn't work with uh, integrating with other staff members your your quality of work wouldn't be good your performance would be impacted uh, it would cost too much there'd be confidentiality issues all these kind of things um that's going to change now because employees' rights to request remote working are set to be strengthened in favour of the employee. There'll be less reasons for the employer to refuse you. So that's an interesting one from this morning's uh, Independent. And then there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, court-related stories and indeed jail-related stories. I know of uh, the Fianna Fáil TD, Eamon O'Queeve, um, uh, going to visit the convicted torturer, Jonathan Dowdall. And many people are angry about that. It's a front page of Making the Mail. Minister defend, ministers defending uh, O'Queeve for visiting the torturer in prison. Uh, and the other story regarding uh, jails then is that a team of Mountjoy inmates could soon get out of prison for a day to play a football match against their guards. I'm more interested in the results, to be honest you, whether the prisoners would beat the guards at Ga or not. But um, they are set to take prison staff and, uh, and apparently the match will even be streamed online, apparently. Uh, so that'll be interesting viewing. Um, talking of viewing, Kirka Durka is, uh, you know, dropping the curtain and turning off the lights for the final time. The Echo Carrier today, and that, as they say correctly, a leading light in the arts, theatre and entertainment in Cork. They're going to close their doors now after 31 years. And of course, a lot of fabulous Cork actors and actresses started out in Kirkadurka, including Killian Murphy. And they're saying some of the reasons for the closure of Kirkadurka include after COVID, a lot of people left the sector, didn't want to come back to work in the sector, insurance, accommodation costs, making it much more difficult to run shows in Cork, in Dublin, and Dublin as well. So that's the reason that we'll be saying goodbye uh, to Kirkadurka. And, uh, you know, uh, shortage of cash, actually, when you look at the two sexes, um, although I need to kind of rephrase that now because I'm not quite sure how many there are anymore, but you know what I'm saying when I say two sexes. Um, those without money, how does it impact on them psychologically? Well, apparently, according to research, worse on women, where they say that women become narcissistic, well, more narcissistic, more, more psychopathic under economic stress and financial stress, according to new surveys out. Uh, it it just, just means that women with less money, uh, there's a darker side to them than men, apparently. And also, um, you look at uh, the different movies and films down through the years where everybody's got a famous line from them and we all love saying it. Play it again, Sam. Play it again, Sam, was never said in Casablanca, ever. So this morning, the mirror tell us exactly what was said in all of these famous films with these iconic lines. It was never, play it again, Sam. It was, play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. How could we got that so wrong? There are other ones that make the papers today. Like, for instance, Houston, we have a problem. That was never said. Apparently, what was actually said in Apollo 13 was, uh, Houston, we've had a problem, as in past tense. And another one that we all say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? <clears throat> Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, it was never, ever said. Uh, what actually was said was magic mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? One thing that we all say and we all get right, though, is probably one of the greatest lines from the movies ever, and it's from Jaws. You're gonna need a bigger boat. You're gonna need a bigger boat. And I believe that was never written into the script. I think Roy Scheider just came up with it in the moment.
which makes it even more fantastic. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. I proceed with caution, guys. There's been a two-car collision in the Donnybrook Hill area heading to Carrigaline. The road is narrow, so do avoid for now a two-car collision. The guards on Anglesey Street said there's water on the road around Morrison's Island, Union Quay, South Terrace. It is passable, but proceed with caution. There was quite an amount of fall of rain. Saw Corpio posting some stories and uh, photographs last night from the city in particular, the low-lying city, and it led to some flooding. Now, where do I even begin with regards to yesterday's programme? Uh, of course, we covered a lot yesterday, including the changes to the pub and nightclub licensing hours, opening and closing and, and things like that, but also dealt somewhat uh, for about an hour, an hour and a half yesterday with regards to uh, our refugee crisis in the sense of where will we put the refugees who are fleeing war? Now, I have to say it was quite divided. Um, I know that I was inundated with texts, absolutely. And it is my responsibility to get a flavour of those texts on air this morning. Uh, we had a lot of calls and I'm quite sure there will be a number of them this morning. And I know that it kicked off on social uh, and there was a lot of passion. I get all of that. Uh, I think that both... Uh, opinions and everybody has an opportunity in a democracy to have their points of view heard. What would happen if we only had one narrative and others who had an opinion or a thought were not being listened to? I certainly don't want anything to do with that. I know that names get bandied about and terms get bandied about. Racist is one that gets used against uh, people who want change or want more control. I understand that. I was called it yesterday. In fact, I know that I was certainly called it uh, on air. There was a lot of um, misinformation um, claimed to have been put on air yesterday morning. I did some fact-checking, to be quite honest with you, on some of the points that uh, Derek Bly made on air yesterday morning. Uh, if, If I were to, if I were to total up, and Deirdre might be interested in this, Deirdre, good morning. Morning. If I if I were to total up, because I asked the lads to kind of try and get a, a se- get a sense uh, for the response to those that would agree with much of what he says or not, or what others believe to be the case with having too many and we can't cope, I, I would say that more people um, who got in touch, certainly by text, uh, felt that we need to stop taking in refugees at this stage. We have too many. They don't have any issue with people from Ukraine, it's just that at this stage we're full and we're not doing anyone a service, including them. So I will drill into more of what was said and some of the fact-checking in a, in a few minutes' time. So I would just sum it up, I'd say, from the, what I, the impression I got from yesterday is more people agreed with them than disagreed with them. What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, um, like, definitely um, we can't take in more, we can't take in more, you know? I mean... Um, we do have to um, start, you know, figuring out something else, um, you know, directing the refugees somewhere else if we can't take them in. But my problem with um, Derek is that um, he he said the phrase yesterday online that... Um, online, is it? No, he said, sorry. On, on air, on air, okay. On air. Yeah. Um, that we should help refugees when every single Irish person is housed. Now, that's akin to saying we will help people when hell freezes over. Mm. Because it's absolutely impossible. Mm. That, mm. that can never be achieved. So basically, what he's saying is that we should never help refugees, you know? And um, he should come out and state that, like, rather than going around the boat and saying it in a backwards way, because that's basically what he wants, mm. you know? 
Mm. Um, the other problem I have with Derek is that, um, and I, I don't think you kind of pulled him up enough on it, but he states things as fact when they're not fact. I thought I pulled. I thought I pulled him up on everything. Some of the things I had to go and check, and, and I, I have done that subsequently. So maybe if you could look at this morning's program as being a continuation of where we stopped yesterday, perhaps. But what what points did you want me to pull him up more on? Well, he said that um, every single Ukrainian person driving here has no insurance because a sergeant somewhere told him that there isn't a way to... Well, I did pull him up on that and I asked him to stand over it and to prove it as a fact. And that was his response to it. I'm not sure what more I can say on that. No, I know, but I mean, it, that, like you should have told him, but that's not a fact, you know? I don't think he actually understands what a fact is or, you know, what anecdotal evidence is. Mm-hmm. Someone telling you something does not make it a fact. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, like you experiencing something does not make it a fact. He also said that every single person uh, was Ukrainian because he knew that they were all speaking Ukrainian. Like, I, did, I did tackle him on that as well. Yeah. I asked him, did he speak yeah. Ukrainian? How did he know they weren't from another Eastern European country or anywhere in the world? Yeah, you did. You did, in fairness. Um, but I just, I just don't think he can comprehend Should, that, you know? Okay, because I, I have seen people say, and uh, I, can, I can read out some of them in a few minutes' time, that anybody with that kind of an opinion and anybody that those support his opinion should not be given airtime. Answer that one for me. Um, no, I am of the belief that um, people do have different opinions, and um, and I I do agree with freedom of speech. Um, but I, I just think that he shouldn't be spouting things as fact um, when they're not fact. Well, I know that Cork Rebels for Peace yesterday were quite passionate about it and were incensed. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm told that we're 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 posting some some stuff on on air last night, including references to me, but that comes with the territory. But we did ask them on air, but they declined. But they did say in a statement, we Cork Rebels for Peace as a group will not participate in any so-called debate on air as we believe such a debate does not exist. Uh, And you as a broadcaster have a responsibility to be anti-racist and to understand that pro-racism is not a valid ideology for debate, as in they shouldn't have to debate that they're anti racist you know uh, these yeah. views of people who are pro-racist should not be aired and an apology should be issued and an assurance that you will not platform hate speech which is defined defined by the hatred act 1989 again so i'm, no, I'm, I'm just i want to know is that you know is is talking about it and trying to control the conversation as best i can uh racist and hate speech no, um, in my opinion, it isn't um, because, as I said, I do I do appreciate that people have different opinions, but I do think that um, it should be highlighted that um, that what Derek is saying is racist and is bigoted. You know, um, I'm not saying that you're racist, or but, there, but therefore, if somebody, if you believe somebody to be racist or bigoted. We shouldn't have racist people on air. Now, either, either people have alternative points of view to us that we must tolerate, to be honest with you, and listen to and then disagree or rebut, or we must ban them from the air. No, I, I do think like that, um, yeah, I do think that they are able to speak their difference of opinion, but, um, you know, 
think that that they just should uh, that they should just be pointed out as you know that this what they are actually saying is racist. What they okay. are actually saying is bigoted. And called know? out on it every single time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It leads to a yeah. lot of division, though, and an awful lot of anger. Um, massive response to the. Hold on, if you wish, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you. Uh, your thoughts. My thoughts are um, is that we do need to stop taking in um, any more refugees because we cannot uh, cope with what we have. Um, what we're doing is creating a whole huge new divide between um, refugees and other people, and it's not good for anybody. And you know we've we, we've nowhere to put them. The, the country technically at this stage is full. And we're not doing anybody a service by bringing them in and not being able to provide them with proper living accommodation and proper services. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, like doctors are full to the brim. They can't take on any more patients, yet the medical card um, was opened up last week or the week of the budget to include more people. They can't cope. The uh, hospitals are overflowing. They can't cope. And what we're doing is essentially bringing in more and more people. To we have an obligation, though. We have, a, we have an obligation to help we, people well, we fleeing. Have, more. We, we as, as human beings, firstly, for, firstly, as human beings, we have an obligation. And we also Absolutely. have an EU obligation that all other European Union members have also signed up for, just like us. I know, but I mean, are the amount that we're taking in, is that taken into account the size of our country? Like, is it part, you know, is it done by the size of our country? And we're allowed to take in that many, or are we just taking in and there's no counting whatsoever? We, we do well. Others do more, and, and, and clearly others do less than us. We're, we're, you know, yes, I suppose we're in the, we're in the but, top two-thirds. There are more taking a yes. lot more than us. There are some and, and, Eastern Europe companies that don't take any at all. And we've certainly fulfilled our obligations as far as I'm concerned. You know, we have done, our, we've done what we can, and that, that we need to stop because we cannot look after what's already here. We have uh, but he, t- he said a lot more. He said people. a lot more than that, though. And uh, he actually emailed he me last night. The email is too long, but he did want to clarify some points. It's too long to mm-hmm. read it all, but I will read out some of it. Where he says, "I don't blame refugees for taking advantage." However, and this is alarming, nothing will convince me that ninety percent are not economic migrants here purely to milk the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a completely. No, that percentage is is is, is way too high. But I do agree. I do agree to an extent that there is some coming in here that are taking advantage, and they are probably not Ukrainian. Well, why make up a percentage? Like, who, who comes up with a percentage off the top of their head that, and says? Now that that that's something you'd have to ask Derek. I don't know anything about that. But I mean, I do agree with him though to a certain degree that there is and there are people coming in here, who's uh, who are not Ukrainian and who are claiming to be Ukrainian and taking advantage. And that's exactly what is happening. He goes on to say, wouldn't anyone do the same if there was a government stupid enough to offer them free education, medical, housing and social welfare payments higher than what they earn in their own country by working? That's what he says. Like as if he has spoken to every single person, um, let's say 55, 60,000 of them, and he knows exactly every single reason as to why they're here. Come on. Well, the thing about it is, Neil, I don't know where he gets his facts and figures from. But the thing about it is, you can't say that he's totally wrong either, because he's not. There is groups on Facebook that were set up for Ukrainian refugees. Uh, how do you um, know that? Have you seen them? Have you visited them? I've seen them. I've seen them, Neil. Yeah. But surely they'd be they, private chat groups. They are private chat groups, but you can get into them if you're clever enough. Okay. And there might, be, there might be a few people in there chatting, not 65,000 of them. 
Well, no, there's not 65,000, but there is uh, chat groups, uh, private groups, where they are talking about what is the best way to take advantage. And I you know can show me proof of that, can you? I can indeed, yeah. 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 But, you, but you, would also accept also, that, you would also accept that that, if it is true, would be a minority. That the majority of them are here for the, the right reasons. Well, the wrong reasons Ab- because of war. The wrong reasons because they're... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've been displaced because of war. At the end of the day, we have to show compassion, which, uh, which I do believe we have done. And we are doing incredibly well. They have been... I mean, we have welcomed them into our community. And, you know, and it's great because our children get to grow up with such a diverse society now because there is so many different cultures. For God's sake, we need that. We need people migrating to Ireland. We We need need them for lots of different reasons. We don't want to be just a cut-off island on the western fringe of Europe. But we also have to stop being such such a soft touch as well. But what's such a soft soft, soft touch about living in a tent or an army barracks? Come on. but, But that's it. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Why would we bring in people that are being displaced from war and put them into a tent or an army barracks where that living accommodation is not suitable at all? Okay, so we should be bringing these people in to provide them with a proper living structure and proper health care, proper education and help them to get back on their feet. But not, but not, but not before we do it for Irish people great. first, is it? That's not what I said, Neil, so don't put words in my mouth. I did not say that. What I said is that if we're bringing people in here, we need to make sure that we can provide for them fully. Oh, so it's more that the country's full. The country is full. Okay. That's what okay. I'm saying. Okay, okay, fair play. Oh, no, no. I mean, it's my job to challenge. Yeah, go, yeah absolutely. fine. Yeah, yeah. But, and also, the other side of it is, we have not provided what we are supposed to provide for Irish people as well. So we definitely need to stop now because there is too many Irish people, as well as Ukrainians, that are suffering because of the fact that we are full and the government is not able to provide what they should be providing. Okay, jump back in if you want, Deirdre, but I do have Jane. Jane, good morning. Oh, hi, Neil. How are you? Good. And you? I'm listening. (laughs) Yes. um, Well, the point I made yesterday on the text was that um, we're part of the EU. You broached on it just now, actually. We're part of the EU, and that is part of our obligation to you know, um, make provision for yeah. displaced people. Lads, you lads, know? They, they, they fund a lot of this expenditure, you know? The they, they actually do. I looked yeah. at it last yeah. night and I couldn't, send, I, I couldn't um, send the link on to you, but there's actually a breakdown per country yeah. as well and yeah. they paid in advance as yeah. well yeah. for the housing. Now, as regards to the future of the Exchequer, I, I'm unclear about that. Like, but, you know, this guy that came on yesterday, I felt... While he did have good points in, in certain areas, as in we are full, and he is totally passionate about the Irish homeless people that we have, he seems to use, again, made-up kind of facts and figures, you know. He's, he's sort of got of the mindset that the Irish use the money that would have been used for the homeless crisis in Ireland to fund um, the housing, the provision of housing, for displaced Ukrainian refugees. Mm, uh, so that's not the case. Yeah, that's not I, the case. I think the point actually was broader than that in the sense that, um, yeah. he, you know, why all of a sudden have we found the will, you know, to to step up and get into it? Well, my words yesterday were, why are we now panicking when we never panicked for the Irish? You know, why all of a sudden is there money being thrown at this? And, you know... You know being, because being, that's the trade-off being, right? of being in the EU. We have an open market. We have free movement of goods. Yeah. I worked in transport for years, years. 
and it was an absolute nightmare going from border to border, moving things through, you know, moving goods through, all the paperwork. Free movement is huge. You have an open market. You know, free movement of people. You know, it cuts, uh, you know, there's a lot of benefits being in the EU and this is the trade-off. No, I don't know what the answer is, but this guy doesn't seem to know what the answer is either. If we're full, we're full. And like that last caller said, we should we should be providing adequate housing, at least for these people, you know. Mm. But, mm. yeah, he, he says, just, so I feel like there's his... an incitement to hatred, you know, towards these people. He's using, he's cherry-picking previous cases from refugees, yeah. you know, down through the years. I don't want to be part. I don't want to be party to any incitement to hatred. I don't want anybody to think for a moment that that is any part of the agenda here. I'm actually very. You know, I spent a lot of time yesterday and last night thinking about this as to whether yeah. there is a section of society, and it sounds quite large to me from the amount of text that I'm giving, have a particular opinion, and I'm wondering, sh- should I give them an opportunity to voice it or not, or well, should they be made to stay silent? For everyone. Yeah, no, no, freedom of speech is for everyone. But he's and he, he's entitled to his opinion, but he's backing it up and recruiting yeah. followers. I think he mentioned he had followers. It's like biblical, isn't it? He's got followers. He, he uh, it's like a, a blight upon society. But anyway, like he's using fictitious facts to back up his heartfelt speeches which are obviously, there is, there is an element of unrest within society at the moment in regard to this, and he's really rocking the boat too much, you know? You know, he is like, and he just doesn't sound like he knows what he's talking about. I mean, I know people that claimed refugee status in this country, and they were working as um, orthopedic surgeons. Well, I know one person, and I know a few doctors then as well. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, refugees, refugees doesn't mean coming in sponging off the No, 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 it doesn't for a moment. And, you know, something... No, 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 I mean... We we see people who came in through the asylum process and were in direct provision who are now working, rearing families, um, you know, being a positive um, um, influence on society, paying their taxes, working, sending their kids to school. We need that. We need all of that. Oh, yeah, people are people, you know. Can I just... Can I just just fact-check some of the things that that were said yesterday? And extraordinarily, a lot of it I found in one particular article uh, in The Examiner. So I don't know whether people would be or should be screaming and roaring at The Examiner. But The Examiner paper said, uh, tougher checks, more deportations, tented accommodation during the winter. These are the measures the government will approve to better control the influx of migrants into Ireland. So... Tougher checks, more deportations. Now, they are going to boost the payment from 400 to 800. They talk about the prefabricated units at military bases, right? They go on to say that the Department of Justice is to step up checks on people claiming to be coming from war-torn countries in the light of the recent surge in arrivals. Amid concerns that some are seeking to come here under false pretenses. Now, this is in the paper. A unit is to be established at Dublin Airport to facilitate these checks and deportations are set to be increased. The measure will be adopted when at least 43 Ukrainian men were turned away into the streets at the weekend. The article goes on to say that it will see extra accommodation being sourced quickly, refurbishments, the delivery of modular homes. Um, and they, they said that the government sources said that there's been a large increase in the number of single males arriving into Ireland from Ukraine, whereas initially it was mainly women and children. And a stat actually that uh, Derek Bly did mention yesterday that I had to fact check, 39%, he said, 
The article says males from Ukraine now account for 39% of all arrivals. Um, it's emerged that some Ukrainian families currently housed in hotels with food provided are refusing to move out of what is technically emergency accommodation and this is further creating a major blockage. They also say that pressure is also seen where a number, a greater number of people arriving here to seek refuge um, because other European countries have tightened their entry requirements. So that's indicating that more wish to come here because other European countries have made it more difficult for them to come here. Neil, do you know what that examiner article isn't stating? They, they state 39% are male. It doesn't state what percentage of those 39% of males are under 18, for example. Or with or disability, or old age pensioners. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And this is, you know, this is the point that I was making. That the final bit of the article, though, just if you don't mind, just the final bit of the article said, Ireland is seeing economic migrants seeking to claim they are from a war-torn country, but refusing to say what flight they arrived in when speaking to Garda officers. The source said that we have a legal obligation to those from Ukraine, but we cannot be a soft touch or seen to be a soft touch. That's all I have to say. And, you know, Neil, if you're coming from a war-torn country, you've already experienced the upset um, of being in that country. Now, I know that they're saying, the reason that they're saying that is potentially people might use different European countries to get here because there might be no direct flights, they'll say. In which case, they are obliged to seek asylum in the country, the next country that they land in. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So but, there is but a why, lot of why would somebody these, refuse to say what flight they arrived on they, or what country they, they came from? Because there's a lot of transparency in Ireland. You know, we live, we're lucky enough that we live in a country that's pretty transparent. We can't understand. We, we can't unless we're in it. We have to appreciate that. The paranoia that goes along with living in other countries and other parts of the world. There is. I've been to countries and they don't want to tell the neighbour. The neighbour can't know for fear of juju or, you know what I mean? There's just so many cultural elements as well. And when you're fleeing a country, you don't but, know. But, but if there are economic migrants, as has been claimed within uh, government circles, seeking to claim that they're from the Ukraine, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Uh, then they're yeah. E- and they're not then they are coming here, surely, at least some of them, for the economic benefits of coming here, claiming to be a war-torn country refugee. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, that's what that article is saying to me. What you're saying, it's an economic migrant claiming asylum, which is... Correct, yeah. Valid, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. Well, of course, there always will be, you know, there always will be people that are Mm. scamming the system. There are always people that will chance their arm. But um, it's a false narrative to put that 39% figure in that article with um, the people who are economic migrants, you know. It's, it's, it's saying basically that oh, 39% are scamming the system, when it's not actually saying that, you know. Um, but it's, it's like, um, you know, it's their vagueness that wants yeah. to portray the circle. So, so that number should be drilled into more. It definitely should, that 39% being male. You know, as in male children, as in male old age pensioners, as in male members of Ukrainian society with serious disability that have to get out, as in sick male, unwell male. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, but you see what I'm saying is that um, a lot of people just see that article, see that figure and run with that then, you know, mm. where it's it's not like that. That's not the fact, you know. OK, let me get some more calls on air. Thank you all. Thank you, Deirdre. Thank, Thank you, Sarah. You. Thank you, Jane. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. <laughs> Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. I'll drill into a lot of text just after 10 o'clock. Just one call this side of 10, though. And my apologies, Dan. I hope you can wait till after 10. But Luke, go ahead. I'm listening. How's it going, Neil? Good, good. Um, I have a few issues, to be honest. Uh, just firstly there, the first caller you had, um, to be honest, the issue I had there with that was that, you know, she was all for leaving people, you know, have the have the debate between both sides, but she just doesn't want Derek Bly on the air. You know what I mean? And she couldn't mm, trip her. No, she didn't say that. No, she didn't say that. She didn't. She talked but about she challenging. Did, she she did. said she talked about challenging and checking and correcting anything that said that's incorrect. But then but then she said, yeah, you, you know, you can leave them, have both sides of the argument, but uh, you shouldn't really have a racist person on, basically, is what she was saying. And you push back on that as well, which is fair enough. But well, my point is, some of these people coming on, they just they just don't like what he's saying. The fellow you had on yesterday, John, that caller that was on with Derek, I mean, his argument was, how do we know that the Ukrainian males that are after coming in aren't on the spectrum? That was his argument. Yeah, but how do you know that they're, how do you know that they're not either very young, know, very I, old or ill? Yeah, I know, I know, but but thirty nine percent of them, come on, but they're, they're all they're all, there's something wrong with all of them, is there? Do you know how we would know if we assessed them and guard vetted them? That's how we'd know. We'd know then if that was happening. But that is not. about to happen. I just read out some of the updates from an Examiner article where they were going to be talking about a lot more checking at our ports that's, and airports. So and that that has to happen. That's all well and good, but there's 50 or sixty thousand of them here now already under the radar. Like, you know what I mean? No one knows what half of them are up to. You know, the half that we do know what are up to... But why do you assume that they're up to anything? Why can't you just assume that they're here because they need refuge? Because, but like, why don't all of the Ukraine need refuge? So Because, because they do. Like, like millions of them have left the country, gone all over Europe, not just here. Yeah, but sure, like, there's nothing going on in Kiev, like, and, and the first time you interviewed Derek... See, here, like, you, here you go saying that again. That's just not true. But like, but did you did you not research that the last time and you were able to book hotels and venues and restaurants and everything in Kiev in the middle of a war torn? Like, you know, it it comes to stage where you just have to accept reality. There's there's a lot of them here to to just to be better off. There's a lot of them here, and that's all well and good. And then there's fellas saying, oh, it's going to take too long to house everyone. We're after finding shelter for fifty thousand of them. There's, there's not even eleven thousand homeless in the country. So I mean, how can't we solve the problem? Mm. Why, why will it go on forever? It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, but this solving the problem does. So, solving the problem is not solved by army barracks and tents and um, and uh, collapsible cots. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. But you're you're not going to see any of them being moved out onto the streets. You know what I mean? They're all they all have a bit of shelter. They all have a bit of. A bit of safety, if you like. You know, there's 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 people sleeping in doorways inside in Patrick Street. We all know it. You know, and you know they're they're actually victims to diseases and problems with their life and drugs and and you name it. And no one wants nothing to do with them. No one. They're offering people eight hundred euro out to house Ukrainian. Yeah. Well, there's Irish people sleeping rough on the street. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no sense whatsoever. There's um there's a hotel in Cromoy. I'm not going to name it. Um, Derek Blake actually put up a video of it a couple of weeks ago. There was an Irish man in a tent across the road from it, and there was Ukrainians in there complaining about the food they're getting served three meals a day. You couldn't make it up. You could not make. So that that was un- that was unfortunate. That was unfortunate. I grant it you that. Unfortunate. That did an- was, that, was, that annoyed people. Yeah. 
But that was, they were one or two isolated incidents of people going on about the food. Yeah, yeah. but example, nonetheless, and the biggest, the biggest problem I have here, being honest with you, is that man Derek Bly, he sat there since half nine yesterday morning, and I know he sat there because I'm in a group where he's posting an update, yeah. and he didn't get on the air till half eleven. he sat patiently, he got on, he spoke respectfully. I think he's a Brit. Do you think he's a good speaker? I think he's a fantastic speaker. I listen to him all day. He comes to the table. I know people are trying to talk does he does he does he get does he get on air in other places? Uh, that no, I'm not sure. I used to listen to a few of them. I, I just listened to ourselves now, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm not. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Because a lot I'm of the pushback sure. that I've been getting from people is that he should not ever be on air ever again. No, I I have I have. Um, I, uh, I admire what, you, what you've done because you, you've let him in, you've, you've given him the platform. Now, you push back a lot, I understand that, but you kind of have to push back as well. Um, you push back on the caller that was challenging him as well yesterday, so fair is fair. I've no problem with that. Um, you know, what you're doing is, is grand. What I don't like, Neil, is the people coming on that just don't like what he has to say. That man, I see him, he's on the ground every day. He's after being around to every refugee site you can think of in the country. He's travelling every Yeah, but he's, only, but he's only doing that to find the negative. He's never, ever, ever posting or talking about any positivity when it came to helping other people. I, I, I tell you what, Donil, he's doing a lot more, a lot more than all these people. But he's only looking for the negative. He's only looking for stuff to find holes in or problems in or to, to be angry about. As far as I'm concerned, he's finding a lot of it, though, like, you know, should he just ignore it? He's bringing it to surface. But, but it, it's the people coming on that just don't like what he has to say. Okay. These people are not doing no research at all themselves. This man is doing his homework. Granted, he might not be right with everything he says, but he holds his hand up if he's not. I know that for a fact. Okay. He holds okay. his hand up if he's not. I just think it's very unfair the way he's been treated, not by yourself, but by just by some of the callers, you know. They just don't like what he has to say. Yeah, but no they're, one, no but they're, but they're entitled. But if he's entitled or if you're entitled to have a point of view that isn't agreed with by sections of society, they're as entitled to come on as you are. No, I agree 100%. But what they should be saying is, Neil, I don't like what he's saying at all because you don't have him on the radio. Instead, they're coming on saying, this is not a fact, that's not a fact, you know, we're all human, you know. They're not coming on with facts or research, they're just coming on with nonsense. All right, okay, thanks for that. All right, thanks, Luke. I'm out of time for now. Appreciate your contribution. We'll pick it up after 10. Text 0868104106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 86 8104 Red FM. In other business? Red FM's Shocktober. With Wilton Shopping Centre. Yes, indeedy. And yesterday, there was 700 euro in the cauldron of cash. And the clue was a place to seek shelter from plundering pirates far from the water's roar where canines pull from A to B. That was the most important part of the clue. Canines pull from A to B. A little boat harbour not to be ill in. Um, most people thought that the canine pull was pointing towards Skibbereen because it sounded like a reference to the famous quote from the O'Donovan brothers, close your eyes and pull like a dog, right? At least Grace thought that. Uh, but I wonder, did she have a little bit of help? 700 euro cash in the cauldron. Where are you, Grace? I'm in Skibbereen. 
What made you think it was Skibbereen? Well, I was on about it all, all week at work and then we have a group chat and someone texted me saying I was in Skib. So I should be at work now in case anyone sees me. <laughs> <laughs> so you should be at work, but your group chat started going mental saying she was in Skibbereen, is it? Yeah, yeah. So I had okay. a straight down. Grace, I can tell you, you've just won yourself 700 euro in cash. Thanks so much, thank you. You'll be the talk of your group chat now. They'll all be very jealous of you because they were all looking too, were they? Well, no, you see, I'm the only one in Skibs. Okay, yeah. so they were just looking after you, so, yeah? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then if you thought she was somewhere else where they live, you'd have had to tell them. Is that how it worked? Yeah, basically, yeah. I, yeah. Like... I had a feeling they would come to Skibs, though. She had to come to Skibs yeah. at some stage, for God's she sake. I like that idea, the group chat idea. I really do. People chatting about it and trying to work out the clue. So, finding the wish, one grace in Skibbereen, 700 euro cash. Now, today, there's a massive 1,050 euro in the cauldron of cash. And if you miss the announcement of the witching hour on breakfast this morning, then just stay listening throughout the day because the witching hour could happen at any time. And that witching hour, you will get your clue. All right, 1,050 euro cash in the cauldron of cash. It's ready. FM's Shocktober with Wilton Shopping Centre, the most spectacular place to shop this Halloween. Um, stay listening across the day for your chance to win. Text calls and emails on the way. The Neil Prenderville Show on Courts Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106 Red FM. Uh, by email from Tiger Connery says you were bullied and manhandled on your own show by Derek yesterday. He had the cheek to tell you that you don't put him on your show enough. What actually is going on here? There's a growing section of society pushing against the likes of this man. He's a bully who doesn't have the intelligence to get his point across without roaring and shouting. He made some good points, but the rest was nothing but hate talk and nonsense. Thank God he is only in a minority. You had a guy who came on to talk at the end of the show, John, and he couldn't get a word in edgeways because of Derek's roaring and shouting. It sounded like the Derek Bly show. The Neil Prendival show, though, has hit a new low and I'm going away from it. And that by email uh, from Tig O'Connor. Keep those emails coming. Email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Uh, Dan, good morning. Thanks for holding. I know I tried to get you on before 10. What's on your mind? Good morning, Neil. Well, no, before I open me gob at all. I done that way as to say I'm ready to black, red, green, brown, blue, or yellow coming into the country. But what this is after doing is, I'm not against the Ukrainians. I may say 12 months ago, their world was turned upside down. They never thought 12 months ago that they'd be here. Not in a million years. No more than we did. But my point is, I think it's great as they're after coming in and being housed. Because I tell you why. It's after exposing the neglect to previous governments and the present government and governments before. Is after exposing them the pure neglect of the Irish people, look up their homes, and people kicked out of their homes, couldn't afford their mortgages anymore. It's a, it's a scandal. It's after exposing a scandal, actually. They've done us a favour. They've done us a favour. You know, it's an ill wind. You know what I mean? So, let me say the government have to step up to the plate and look after the Irish people, give them sites and modular homes. They have to do that now as well. They have to do it. Uh, as in, where there's a will, there's a way, and they have found a will. Mind you, like I have to say, I think there's somewhere in the region of about 6 million Ukrainian refugees around Europe. And of that, say, 6 million, we've taken 
What, 55,000? It's a paltry amount when you spread the six it's million across Europe. Amount. I don't mind. I wouldn't care if there was a million, a million of them came in. Because it's after exposing the neglect of the Irish government to all the Irish people. Yeah, yeah, it has done that. And, and, yeah. and, that's, and that's fabulous. And another thing, those men that's coming in there without passports, documentations, no identification whatsoever, should we don't know if there's Russian undercover spies coming in here? I mean, why, why are they not fingerprinted at the airport? Yeah, I don't know anything Agreed about I don't that. know anything about Russian spies or anything like that, but I do know. Oh, they come here, yeah, come here now, hey, if the ships are out to have they'll have to slipping in here too. Make yeah. no mistake about on that. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah. so uh, so anybody that's outside of the EU should not be allowed to come here to to work or anything, is it? Oh Jesus, even walk away if they want to work. Yeah. Okay, get a job here. I'm not against that either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But my 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 main point is you know, it's after exposing the government to what you're neglecting to ask the Irish people. It's really, really scandalous. It's shone a light on it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Maybe something maybe something might be done about it now. Okay, thanks, Dan. Seamus, good morning. morning. Get, yeah, I just want to do some texts and emails, but go ahead, yeah, for sure. What do you want to say? Yeah, I just think at a, like, a very fundamental level, none of this actually makes sense. I just don't understand... You know, taking the, the, the race card out of everything, like, how in the name of God can the Irish government um, go into a meeting with the other EU delegates? Um, and when handling and discussing how they're going to resolve the crisis or handle the number of refugees, potentially, we're, we're a country that's one of the smallest, um, you know, small population of five million. And we have, and they would know this, like, the EU would be aware of what's going on in this country. We have almost one million people on hospital waiting lists. And we've no homes. Yeah, but so we would take a proportionate amount of people by virtue of our population. Let's say 55, 60, perhaps north of 100,000. Where other countries like Germany's taken well over a million. The Poles have taken well over one and a half million refugees. The Italians, the Turkish, the Spanish have taken vastly more than we ever did. Yeah, these are countries that are far larger than Europe and have a population of about, you know, I don't know, what is it, roughly 80 million people. Um, you know, we have no homes left in this country. Um we now have refugees that are going to be living on the streets. Uh, I mean, how the government can stand over that is beyond me. So it's clear that they, none of this is actually going to make any sense at a very fundamental level. I don't know how you can go in knowing what problems that they've, they've created themselves for their own people and their own country as the government and then say, well, we'll take... What I don't understand is like this mantra where we'll have an open door um, to an unlimited amount of unchecked refugees that may that may that makes absolute no sense. I mean, like if, you see, if if, if it stopped, but if it stopped at people saying just that that we don't have any more room and we can't take limitless amounts, that wouldn't be so bad. But it's when the conversation moves into areas where they're milking the system and ripping off the system, and they're getting medical cards and housing, and they're getting the social welfare payments and PPS numbers and all well, that. Um, that that's that's not the fault of a of a war refugee. No, it's not. But That's it's happening in every European country. No, no, Neil, it's the fault of the government because if you have an open-door policy of unchecked refugees, unchecked people, so people who just come to a border say that they're fleeing whatever country based on war. I mean, I, like, like these, if, if they're coming in unchecked, like, that's what's going to happen. You know, it, like, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. You know, it just creates more problems. But we, yeah, yeah but like we, 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 we took Syrian refugees and we contributed an awful lot of money to that. I mean, if you fact check it, uh, the response to the Syrian crisis, 204 million euro, uh, 2,108 
Syrians housed by 2021. We took refugees from Lebanon. We took refugees from Jordan. You know, we've provided over 204 million in humanitarian funding in response to the Syrian crisis. Um, yeah, Neil, this is a country, the people seem to forget, like, well, they're not forgetting now, it's become more evident now than ever, like, and a lot of people have woken up to the fact that, like, we are a small country of five million people, unfortunately, one really poorly by a government who just failed at every level and every policy. They, well, they have, yeah, and as Dan says, yeah. it shines a light on it. Now, I accept that this will cost sure. us a billion euro this year. Um, is the pill sweetened at all by the fact that a lot of that is European Union money? Well, but a billion would have built a lot of houses, for instance. Neil, like, you know, Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries. This has nothing to do with Ukraine. But that's not the fault of a misfortunate Ukrainian family with small children that it's corrupt. They're not the corrupt ones. Maybe they're politicians, well, no, the are, I don't know. Well, this, you know, the government has failed on this one, oh, like, unbelievably so. Like, and, you know, if you, the, the, fundamentally, at a very basic level, anyway, when you, when, you know, we know that Sweden is capping the number of refugees that they're going to take into their own country. Like, why is it that the Irish, the Irish government can't come into Europe and say, well, we've got too many problems now that are going to arise out of this. We can't take any more. So other you know, governments and other countries in Europe are going to have to maybe step up. At a, to a certain level. It's like what I was saying yesterday, the lifeboat is full. You may wish to take more on board. God yeah. knows you would, but it will sink well, the boat. And yeah, but Michal Martin, yeah, you know, he was been on BBC News there only uh, six, seven months ago during this uh, crisis when it was highlighted saying, you know, the, the will of the Irish people. It's the, He said, actually, he said it was the sentiment of the Irish people to just have that open-door policy of unchecked refugees yeah, coming in yeah. to the country. It, does, it makes absolutely no sense. Okay. Like, you know, just to shine a light on what the guy was saying uh, you had on the air yesterday, he, at a fundamental level, he had some really strong points. Um, and just to take the racist card out of it, it actually makes no sense. And even at an economic level, it makes no sense, even for the safety of the people. Other countries need to step up. We can't actually take any more. It's as simple as that. Okay, final few paragraphs then. You can have a listen to this if you want to have a listen to this if you want. Just the final few paragraphs from his follow-up last night. I can't read the whole thing up, but he does say it's easy to call somebody racist. It's an ignorant way to paint over issues. You don't have to be born here to belong here, he says. You don't have to be born here to belong here. So he's okay with that. But you must come to Ireland legally. If you are a fellow EU member, then the restrictions should be along the lines of no access to social welfare or government benefits for a certain period until you work and collect a certain amount of PRSI. He says for asylum seekers on arrival, they must be housed in humane conditions, not direct provision centres. These are human beings, asylum seekers. They must be treated with dignity as they go through the asylum application process. But if their application is denied, they must be deported immediately. Uh, The appeal for each one is costing the state €100,000. We should be looking at supporting them still and not having deport them without a penny in their pockets. Um, People, yes, there is anger, but it should be directed not. um, Yes, firstly, yes, anger should not be directed at Ukrainian people themselves, he says. It is the fault of our own government. He goes on then to say that we've had a housing crisis for years. Uh, why now can the government spend hundreds of millions um, on instant buildings, renovations, repurposing old buildings and modular homes? He says, I don't blame refugees for taking advantage. I already made the point that he made earlier on, but he says, this is where he holds the boat, though, for himself. He says, nothing will convince me that 90% are not economic migrants here purely to milk the system. Um, anyone would do the same if they had a stupid government offering them free education, medical, housing and social welfare payments. They're just a couple of paragraphs of a very lengthy email. Yeah. So you want to respond to any of that? I just think it's a, it's a well, they've created a free for all. It doesn't make any sense at a very fundamental level. 
Um, we have too many problems in our own country. We have one of the highest homelessness rates in Europe. We have the most expensive rates at every level when it comes to a lot of commodities in our country compared to the rest of Europe. And given that there's just a complete lack of housing and the, the current the housing plans that they've had in place for the last 10 years have failed miserably. Like okay. It doesn't make any sense to take in the number. Well, I'd say you could have a fixed number that we can take in and that's this, and we can do what we can for these people who are very unfortunate. However, okay. Okay. it doesn't make sense to keep an open door to an unlimited number of unchecked refugees. Thank you for all that. Listen, I want to do some texts from yesterday. Did you not hear the interview on News Talk they did with new refugees that came to Ireland? There was a young man that was here to work and to stay, but he was never told about there being no space for him. He would have stayed in Ukraine he was fleeing war. Somebody suggesting that he wasn't fleeing war, that he was here to work. I guess you could flee war and also work, though, couldn't you? So, piece in the paper yesterday saying that 357 people died on the streets of Dublin in the last four years. Our own should be looked after first. I'm a postal worker. Uh, Ukrainian refugees get free postage back to the Ukraine, up to 20 kilos, and a free SIM card for three months. Everyone else here has to pay for these things. Uh, it would be best to move the unfortunate Ukrainian people to parts of their own huge country that will be never attacked by Putin and support them with funding, says Connie. I was in Spain last week. The Ukrainian they are living in apartments on the beach they all have high powered high end vehicles they're having a great time and many here in Ireland are homeless we should close our borders and vet all those coming in uh, morning I lived with Ukrainians in the Dutch Tulip they don't have insurance tax or NCT they told me it was waived for them uh, what footage of war in Ukraine is Neil talking about what footage I've seen more footage of World War I for God's sake well I don't know where you're coming from there's plenty of it it's on the nightly news um, absolutely it is no matter what news channel I don't know why you're not watching news channels unless you think that the footage is fake Mag said imagine being as bitter and begrudging as people like Derek Bly. I can't understand why you give these people airtime. It's dangerous to ask people to take in refugees in their homes. Uh, people are not vetted. We know nothing about them. I completely agree with everything he says. Our schools are packed to the brim. They're coming here for welfare. Should they, never, they should never have been given social welfare. Can you ask him where he's been all these years? Homelessness amongst Irish citizens is nothing new. Yet his outspoken cry about housing, the Irish, sounds new to me. What's changed to make him so outspoken now? I agree with him 100%. Ireland is full. Why don't they send the Ukrainian refugees to the west of Ukraine that is fully open? There's plenty of hotels open for business and they can let the Ukrainian government pay for it. Uh, well done. Some real truth talking on the show about time. Uh, now, how much can I get if I want to head away and do nothing and just get freebies? Uh, you're a disgrace allowing a racist on the air complaining about Ukrainians. I didn't hear him on the air before the war complaining about the housing crisis or Irish people on the streets. Uh, morning, they don't want to go back because life was better pre-war. I lived with Ukrainians for six months in Mallow and that's exactly how the men feel. Uh, you're, you're a disgrace allowing nutters on the air stirring up hatred. Uh, utter rubbish, conspiracy theorists labelling them all the same. Thankfully he's not in charge. He thinks he knows everything. Somebody else says that he's dead right. Her own people should be looked after first. Where was the money when the Irish people needed it? He should be in the doll representing Irish working people. Uh, hold a poll and question how many people agree with him, for instance. You know what the majority would say. They'd agree. Thanks to government policies, says Bobby. That's just a snapshot. I'll get some more on the air uh, across the rest of the morning. Back to the phone lines we go. Jim, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. And jumping in and out between texts here. So, what's on your mind? Yeah, yeah. Listen, we're a country now that we can't we can't um, um, give our opinion. Like you, you asked yourself the question there on the small on here. Why, why you, why you right to bring up this subject and 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 leave people to give their opinion? Of course, all right. No, there's Listen, some people believe that there is no room for anything that we did would incite hatred or racism. In spite of we, me, in spite of me pushing back and challenging, it should never be discussed. Listen to me, listen to me. I, I don't know what, I, I, for what I'm hearing, people are giving their opinion, Neil. People are, it is a free, a free world and you can, like, what, I have my opinion about the refugees, right? God, God love them. God love them, that's all I say, right? They came over here because they had to come over here, right? What people are voicing their opinion about is that our own are not being looked after first and I understand where people are coming. Like, I know people uh, that has been refused medical care because they were three and five years over the threshold. Yet, this government, which will be, they, they'll go down history for what they're out to do, like, like the wrongs they're out to do to their own Irish people. People were oh, three and five years over the threshold for medical care. They mm. didn't qualify. Mm. Yet, all of a sudden, our government can find 56,000. Now, that's gone over that since... We, we, all we European spoke. Union countries are doing what we're doing when it comes okay, to access European, to health care and care. I'm and, not worried. And, I, I, Schooling. I'm not worried about European countries, Neil. I'm talking about Ireland. I know nothing about other European countries. They might be doing I don't want to live in a country, Jim, where we close the borders to people. I just don't want to. I, under, I, I know it shines a light on the inequities of society. I get that. But at the same time, I don't want to be seen oh. to be uh, a you're, racist you're, you're, living in a country where somebody who's not white and Irish is allowed in here. But you're not. You're not. But what my, my point and my opinion, this is, my, this is not your opinion. My, my point and my opinion is. This government found 56,000 PPS numbers. They found 56,000 medical care numbers. They give them those. Yes, there's people... Good luck to them with those if they can find a doctor. Y- yes, but, but but this this is it. This is this is where the problem lies. Like, they, they, our, our health system is overwhelmed. It is overloaded. The nurses are, fo- are actually fainting in the wards. Believe you me, they're fainting in the wards. Some of them are doing 14, 15 hours a day and must go in the following day. Doctors are leaving the country. Uh, and professional people are leaving the country because we cannot cope. And what are we doing? We're taking in the... And not, there'll be another 20,000 refugees coming in or whatever so-called people... So you want there. us to be the only country in Europe and maybe in, in the civilised world, right, um, that will be known as the country that refused to help. But we didn't. And our children and their children's children will remember. We're, we're that. not. Ref, we're not refusing to help. You ju- you mentioned ten, ten minutes ago about the, about the lifeboat. If the lifeboat is full, you can't take on any more. Otherwise, you'll bring down the whole lot inside in the boat. So that's what's happening in Ireland. Ireland is overloaded. Like they're find they're finding billions. They're finding billions. To, 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 uh, all of a sudden, to, to, to look to look after our own people. But there'll come a day, Neil, where that money will run out, and we 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 won't have. Who'll help us then? Who'll help? To, who'll help? To, like during the famine, all people starved to death. We got we got no help. The people that were able to leave the country left the country and walked hard and built London and built America. That, that's what they done. Our, our country is sinking slowly, Neil. But don't you think like, that people me- will go back to Ukraine to rebuild it whenever this ends? Well, I, I, well, I, I can't answer. I can't speak for them. I can't answer that. I, like, Am the, I the naive to think this is just temporary? I, I, again, that's your opinion. I'll give my opinion. I, I, why, 
Why would you leave where you're getting everything for nothing? So we get an extra hundred. We get an extra hundred thousand people who can work here and probably are all skilled at different things that they can do here in this country to work sure and we make it a better, better country. You, you, you were on the air yesterday. I know talking about the, 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 the new Republican laws. They can't get staff. So, like, there's jobs advertised yeah, everywhere. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. We've got a labour force and right in our doorstep. 100,000, well, not all of them, they're but children. Why, but why aren't people taking up those jobs? But they I'll are, but, they, but they will. They will, if they choose to will stay. They? Will well, they? Well, why wouldn't they? Because now here you are again, because if you say that they won't, then you're claiming that they're freeloaders. And we know that not all of them are freeloaders. We know that they're not all spongers. That men, the most majority of them are genuine people. Okay, we might have heard of a few complaining about the food. You might have heard of others driving BMWs. Fair enough. But like the, even people, BMW drivers had to flee war, I suppose. But, but why, why would you walk? Why would you walk at half two, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, maybe for, for for less than the minimum wage? Why would you do that? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not suggesting but, that they should do that, those jobs. I'm just. Just we need. We need a labour market. We need a labour force here now. We're short, and a lot of it is actually because you said people left hospitality because by and large they're crap paying jobs. More has left. More left the country. We had no problem when a lot of Eastern Europeans came over here, did we? from Poland, for instance, and became huge contributors to Irish society. So why couldn't we look at Ukrainians who may decide to stay as working here, rearing children here, paying taxes here? But like, they're, they're not, they're, like, we just take all now. Just take all. The quality hotels outside, right? And, and, and we say we have a nightclub in you all that will be open until 6 o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. No. They have to leave the quality hotel get in and get back out to, out to the hotel at five or six o'clock in the morning. Pe- then people are not going to do that. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Why, why, why would you, why would you want bother be doing that for crap, for crap money, we say? Like, they, they, first of all, this country is overloaded, Neil. That's what's wrong with this country. It is overloaded and we're taking in people every, as, we, as you and me are speaking now, there's people arriving in, in, in airports coming in and they're being told they have no place to stay. But sure, oh, oh, it's full. there's a lot of people sleeping in the streets. It's full. You That's walk, what a lot of people are saying. It's full. You, you, walk, you walk down the street, Patrick Street today. You walk down Patrick Street today and you'll see cock people sleeping in doorways. A lot of those misfortunes, you know something, they may ultimately need a home, but a lot of those misfortunes at the moment need treatment and therapy. And that's what they need. And, they need access and, to getting and, off their demons. And how can, you, how can you have access if there's 60 or 70,000 more people thrown into the system that's no longer working? No, I get, I get what you're saying when you say it's full. Yeah, I just don't want the narrative that we don't want people over here because they're all sponging and they're all getting, they're all leaving. You remember all that stupid nonsense somebody brought it up there a while ago about all the refugees coming in and leaving baby buggies at the bus stops because they'd get another one. I mean, you remember all that stupidity, all the but grief that, that Nigerians that, were getting here and stuff like that when they came. But that's, that, that's mindless people saying that. I don't, I don't think I, but that, that's the Well, I remember it because it was all talked yeah. about on the air here years ago. Of course it was. And you, listen to me, you'll be talking about something else next week, but uh, you, you asked yourself this, the question this morning, uh, 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 are you right to voice this? And, and, and fair play to you, I think you are. And uh, can you imagine all the people 
that's listening to this that won't come on Neil because they, they'd be afraid to voice their opinion okay, and they well, could be slated Fair enough thank you for that appreciate it as always Jim but a lot of them are texting uh, we're taking more people in the country than we ever did and we still have businesses on their knees that can't get staff all the economic asylum seekers are not doing the work they come here given housing benefits that the normal person can't get free education they have their kids here they don't add to society and that is what we need I don't mind people coming here once they work and add to society but the people they're leaving in now are not the calibre we want in the country we don't know anything of the backgrounds of the reason they're here the conversation is not hatred or racist it's just the passion we have for our own country and it's a pity the government does not uh, the guy's a joke as in Derek uh, and he doesn't and if he wants I'll post that on his Facebook propaganda page uh, that is if he doesn't believe this is a genuine text hang up on him don't put him on air one very fast way to finish this war is to take every single penny every single asset that the wealthy Russians have worldwide sell it off and then pay it to the countries that are taking care of the Ukrainians hit the Russians in their pocket uh, we're entitled to voice our opinion without being labelled racist says Lisa and that is a text the flavour of which is repeated an awful lot by people in the past 24 hours because I have an opinion does not make me a racist stop using the race card text 0868104106 I want to talk to John Quilligan he's been on the air a couple of times in the past settled traveller living down in Mahan I believe John good morning good morning how are you my man last time we spoke one of the last times we spoke actually your nephew was in a, a caravan down in Harbour Point down Little Island way wasn't that the case that was great, yeah. And thankfully now they're in emergency accommodation. Um, so well, uh, they are in uh, emergency accommodation, Neil. It took seven years from the game to emergency accommodation. But, Neil, it wasn't the, 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 um, the council here in Cork. It was actually the, H- the HSE in Dublin that put uh, that got them where they are today. wasn't here. Okay, so it's far but, from ideal, but better than... Uh, Better than well, a condemned it's, it's caravan. Better than sleeping in the streets, uh, Neil, at the end of the day. Yeah. But when you're almost turning them away. But that, we're not even on about Tommy here at the moment. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just putting know? perspective on it as to the last time you were on. So go ahead, yeah. anyway. What did you want to talk about, John? Neil, the way I look into this here, right, everyone is entitled to a home, right? It makes no difference what side you come from, right? And I had this argument a few times, G. But at the end of the day, Neil, we all have a ladder. Right, there's all steps on the ladder. Everyone has to go on the bottom of that ladder to climb their way up. Yeah. On housing crisis, they must put their name on the list. There must be two, three years, four or five years for certain parts of Matt and Douglas and all that kind Not of thing. Not longer than yeah. that, John. Lot longer than and that. longer than that, yeah. Neil, right? Yeah. It all depends where you want to put your name down for. You know, if you want to put your name down for Douglas one time ago, that was ten years. Right? You have to be on the housing list. Well. Now, we have enough of homeless crisis here, Neil, in, in our country than having, obviously, to see that the homeless crisis is even getting bigger because for the simple reason is, Neil, they're bringing in, they're uh, too generous, as the fellow was saying, too kind, that they're bringing in people and they're not thinking at their own. I mean, Neil, there was um, a lad there that he had up there, uh, 2500 a month he was paying on an apartment. Above and uh, from I, on, on, yeah, on Friday, yeah. <laughs> on Friday, Neil, yeah. Himself and his wife, for argument's sake, and his three kids, four, four, six, and eight, I think. Right? And they went in and they, they, they put themselves as homeless, Neil, basically, and what they were told, they, they can't do nothing for them. There's no place for them. No, Neil... That's fair enough. They were handed two tents. 
tent. How right. do you know this? Have you, did, have you an update? The, the, we're I have, yeah. yeah. I, I have, Neil. Yeah, it's all over, it's all over the Orpion Hill. But anyhow, the two tents. But they were told, Neil, that if there's two tents, we can't do nothing for you. There's two tents. But if you put your kids, if you use them tents, that uh, Hustler is going to be called in. And your three kids. Tussler will be called in if you put your children. Here are two tents, but if you put your children into them, we'll call Tussler. Hustler is going to be called and they're going to take your kids, right? Okay. Now, Neil, I'll be honest with you, as a traveller here, right? When we we had the kids there on caravans and all that, we were told all that. Though if you don't get out of the caravans, if you don't move the caravans off the road, we are getting the social workers involved and the kids will be taken off because they're not a suitable home. Now, at the time... We were only looked to have a suitable home to give the kids. It wasn't nice to wash their faces with a hair cloth in the morning. I know, I know. Right? At yeah. the end of the day, we would have loved them. No, it's not as they are, that, that man's fault that he's homeless at the end of the day. And the only thing that he can give his kids because the council give it to him was two tens. So by being made homeless and not having anywhere to go, not getting any assistance or intervention, given two tents will result in Ireland with Tusla taking your children off you. But taking your kids. For something that how, isn't your like, fault. That's blackmail. Right? That's letting you know. There's two tins, but you're not to go into them because you're Irish. You're not to go into them tins now because if you do go into them tins, your kids have been taken from you. So obviously, Neil, any parent out there will think of their kids and be afraid and terrified that their kids be taken off them. So what do they want to do, Neil? Let the kids sleep in a doorway? With not no, no little bit of roof over their head to try and keep them any bit of way rain away from them. Then you have Neil here. That's incredible. Have the government yeah. in um, down the marina down there, that uh, football stadium down there, right? You had him bringing in a big, massive army tin chalk for the Ukrainians. Mm. And they were all allowed to stay in there. Where did they put them, Neil, for the, for the homeless crisis, right? You go into the town there, Neil. The homeless get a tint. Right, the tent is taken back off them by the council, and the old blankets. They might be wet. They might be blah blah. They're taken off them. You go down to the marina down there, Neil, where all the homeless are sleeping. They are after taking them all away. Right, they're blocking everything for the old homeless in Ireland here. Neil, why would they take? Why would they take homeless. their tent? Why would they take their tents? Like, why wouldn't they be given? Like, for instance, isn't it fresh blankets they should be giving them? Neil, they should be giving them and not being smart food, fresh blankets, blah, blah, they don't want to take it off. No, I mean, they shouldn't be there in the first place. It also shouldn't be done to the homeless groups. Neil, do it look good at the end of the day for a passerby, right? Passerby, that's doing well now and have a roof over their head and all that. But do it look well for a passerby to go to a town and see these old tins torn to one side. It's not there, Neil. It's not look good for the government. Yeah. Right? So the government is hiding an awful lot of things. But Neil, at the end of the day, there's houses there, there's, there's one family there, right? Not giving their name. There's 11 of them in family, Neil, yeah? Yeah. They're sharing one bathroom, right? No. 11, like fellow. nine, is that nine children? There, there's 11, there's, well, you can... All right, well, don't drill into the detail out of privacy, I know. Into the house, right? Anyway. But Neil, there's, like, all right, if I was going up there in the morning, I had my old children growing up, Neil, right? And they're starting to get married, what happens? They're moving on with their own lives. Right? So therefore, you, as a parent, you might be old or whatever, Neil, right? But as a parent, you, that's your time then for a bit of ease. Everyone loves to see their grandparents. As they say, you turn out to be a better grandparent than a parent. Right? So therefore, but there's havoc going on in the houses here, Neil, with them families at the moment, because obviously 
you can imagine if you had a diarrhea broke, Neil. And there's 11 a year, 12 a year, trying to get to that one bathroom. It's good night, you need. I know, I know. You know, so obviously there's haggle going on there. When the next one is, oh, hurry up, I want to wash, uh, get the kids ready for school in the morning. You will rush in there, get yourself done. That child is taking a bit longer. People is giving out, Neil. Mm. Will you hurry up, I'm going to be late for school. Right, um, bits and pieces like that. I think, Neil, being honest with you, right, being truthful with you, there's enough here in, in, in like, there's people in Matton here that's living with their parents, right, that need a home of their own. Look after what we have, Neil. And obviously, let the people come in. Don't come wrong at the end of the day, as people are saying. But let them start at the end of the ladder, like everyone else after. But you couldn't right? do that. At you couldn't have day. people, you couldn't have war refugees coming over here. Um, but now, I, I, I don't know how many of them have savings or money in the bank account. I, I just don't know. But you would have to give them some help in that regard. Um, Neil, everyone is entitled to a bit of help, right? Everyone is entitled to a bit of social welfare payment. No problem with that. There's no problem with the refugee or the, the refugees or any other person that's getting help here in Ireland. We're all getting it, right? We're all entitled to it. So therefore, hand it out, okay? Don't be saying that you're not entitled to that. You are entitled to it. It makes no difference who you are and what you are. But at the end of the day, Neil, you're here and there, Neil, right? We're getting 30, 39 euro per child per week. Yeah. Right? Then you're hearing these lads that's coming in, big right up there, for Neil. You're hearing these lads coming in, they're getting 140 euro a week for each child. Neil, what's that saying? Don't mind the Irish people, they're only fools, they're only doormats. Um, where'd you get that, fi- where'd you get that figure? Like, you know, where'd you get that figure? It would be the very right, same, would be the very same the, children's the allowance. You see that, right? What? Touch that up and you'll see it. No, I know, right? it, that's not something you read online now, is it? That, that was up in the York, Neil, a big way read about, um, about uh, the payments that they're getting and what happened. Right? Same can, payments as an Irish I, person I mean, would get. I have a brother-in-law there, I have a brother-in-law there, right? He's not a traveller, right? He's not a traveller. He's actually, Neil, I had to put him, he went in, at, uh, he had three little kids, get to see him now, Neil, for argument's sake, in the weekends, okay? Now, he'd know where to put his kids, they want to put him into homeless uh, units. You're talking you're about, about other things on top of children's allowance, probably uh, different allowances that are benefiting. They're not children's allowance, One parent family payments Neil, and stuff. So. It's not children's allowance, Neil. In children's allowance, the average person in children's allowance, right? The average children's allowance, they get 140 euro per child. Once a month. Yeah. Okay? And it was a big deal, Neil. Oh, you have to get this and these shoes and that shoes and all that. We had discussion before, Neil. Right? It's but the, when you but have I'm, a no, I'm just saying it's the, the country, same children's allowance. But that's children's allowance, Neil. That's once a month. But every week, every week's payment at 140 euro, Neil, at the end of the day, they're bound to have something, right, with that money that they're getting. No, Neil. You look at the bin that was there, that was thrown all the food thrown into. Yeah. Okay? That's you at have the hostel, yeah. dinners there. You have lines, pennies, dinners, uh, food and wheels and all that, right? Means and wheels. Going around. Not every homeless person that's in the streets and there that's after getting a bite to eat. Right? And you see this bin full with them. And they're complaining about the food, Neil. Right? Neil, I'd be honest with you, there's an awful lot there. I saw some of the photographs of that food. Oh, I know that. But it did look rough enough to me, to be quite honest. If you're getting that served up in a in an aluminium tray every single day. It, it looked pretty mawkish to me, I have to say. But, again... But, you know, Neil, at least they're getting it. Wouldn't it be worse? Wouldn't it be worse if they got nothing at all, all right. and told, find your own way to feed all you? Right, I want to get you know? uh, Timmy on the air and Joanne on the air and Julie. That came on the radio. That like came on the radio there. 
Um, I actually sent you a text about that lad, right? Um, bits and pieces. But the lad that came on the radio, Patrick, I think it was in there, right? but it wasn't at the end of it. They, um, him, he, as he said, he don't know what he's going to eat tonight. This is right? the this is the the, the Formoy story no, of the family it? that were evicted. Yeah, Patrick, was it? Uh, no, I think it was Luke. Uh, I think glad he was on about that. Um, he's in Ross was no his name. His, his name was Ross. I think you want to help Ross, Ross, though, do you? I wanted to help Ross, there, Neil. Yeah, right. I wanted to help Ross there, right? No problem. Don't go wrong. Not that I have very much to help the lad in the first place, but as I said, I have a motor home there that I was for holidays. I have no problem parking that up for that lad and leaving him having no bed, does showers in the deal, does whatever. But it might be anything glorious, but it's a step better than a tent. I don't know where he's been since I spoke to him last. That's the thing, you see. But you're saying you'd give him the motorhome, is it? I would give him a the motorhome. Give him yeah, a loan? I would give it to him. I'd give him a loan. Oh, no, I'm sure I'd know that. You don't want to give it away, but you want to get but him out of a jam. At the end of the day, Neil, right? At the end of the day, here where we are, like, as they, as they said, these modern homes, right? When the war started off, Neil, you heard an awful lot about this war. Jesus was on the radio constantly, right? On the news. Everything that you heard was the war, the war, the war, the war. No, Neil, you don't hear no more about this war, right? Mm. So therefore, well, I why don't, don't about you put that. the You're hearing home. about nuclear possibility of nuclear war and dirty right? bombs. Well, so that, uh, There's also a push on to get rid of Putin in Russia, so that's not a bad thing. No, but we're impossible of war ourselves, Neil. The way this country is going, Neil, and the way the, the, the Irish is being treated in this country, there will be war. Okay, I need to take an, I need right, to take an ad break, John. I, I because do. obviously the people's going to have a hatred over this. I know, I know. It's divisive. Right, you can't blame people, Neil, the way they're feeling. They're and feeling like they're left down. Their, their own government is after leaving them down. They are took out of homes, took out of B&Bs, took out of hotels. Right, I'm trying out. Neil, they ran about their 400 euros. And they'll up that to 800, 800 euros. Yeah, yeah. Right, to bring in a person. Now, obviously, Neil, it's been safely cleared that it have to be one of these people as a clear the wall. Right? Why won't you do that for the Irish me? Right? One of the, the homeless people on the streets there say, but, right, if you take that homeless but, person in, we give you 400. And then obviously because a lot, of, a lot of them need treatment and rehab and detox. Neil, why do you think they need treatment? Neil, I have a nephew there, Neil, right? That was on heroin. Right? He was on everything. Being honest with you, Neil, his life was fucked up as a child, but he was on everything. We put him into treatment, Neil. They were supposed to be after care, the after house, for two years. Right after house is what he was told. No, he went into the treatment center. He went to that after, the, the, the after house. It was only for Sit a short time, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Short the time. No, Neil, I have a friend that have a council apartment, okay? And the person was gone away, Neil. They were gone away for a while. So I get on to them to get my nephew, obviously to keep him off the streets, to get him off the, um, he went on the street, now he had a job, Neil, okay? Yeah. He got himself work, he got himself sorted to the tea. Now, all he was shot was a home. So I got on to a friend of mine, I asked him, uh, it was a two-bedroom apartment, I asked him if we paid the rent in the apartment for him, keep on top of the apartment, do a small bit of work, Neil, there was a small bit of touch-ups that need to be done in the apartment, okay? So he said, no problem. What happened to you? Next thing was, was two weeks he was in that apartment. Two weeks, next thing was, he was gone to work this day and the council came and changed locks. Yeah, because so they found that paid. there was another person in who wasn't the tenant, I know. Yeah. But that put, put, got permission from the tenant. I know, sure I know, but the landlord would see it differently. Listen, I, I'm going to have to move on at this stage. Can I just, uh, all right? Can I just stay with the motorhome for a minute? Because I got Ross back on the phone here now, and just want to see what he's what he's been doing since I last spoke to him. Ross. 
Yes. So there's yourself and your partner. How many children again? No, no kids. No kids. Just the two of you then. Okay. Yep. Well, what have you What have you done since you were evicted? <sighs> I've been at the, the council's door. No, but what have you... Yeah, but have, have they put you anywhere? Where have you been staying? They told me that you're earning plenty of money to go and buy your own place. Okay. Did they give you Good. tents? No. Okay. Did they no, tell we, you that... Um, that they'd give you um, any kind of temporary shelter or any kind of accommodation? No. Okay. No. Would you be interested in borrowing a motorhome from John Quilligan? Yes, very much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you'd have somewhere to sleep and somewhere to cook and somewhere to wash and clean? Yeah. Okay. Temporary. All right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You sound a bit bait from it all, are you? Yes. Yes. Sit up. Yeah, working man not earning enough to pay the two and a half grand rent that they'd be looking for. Or, you, you know. There's no difference if a working man, and if he can afford it, it's not there. Okay. There's no homes to be, to be there, okay. even if you had the money. Okay, all right. Okay, well, I'm going to swap you know, numbers for you guys, all right? Thank you, John, for that yeah, very kind no offer. And, yeah. Uh, if you know what I'm saying there, the um, modern homes, why don't they build them back over McCranes, these new homes? Why don't they put them over there? Okay. Like, we have enough here in, in our community that's, obviously overcrowded in homes that needs to be they all need to be housing everyone okay John uh, I've given a lot of time I've a lot of other people I need to speak to thank you for picking up the phone this morning and helping out Ross with swap numbers Uh, at least he won't be on the side of the road Uh, back after 11 my apologies to Timmy and to uh, Julie I'll talk after 11 but I did get some more statistics actually on the percentage of refugees that we have taken by comparison to the rest of Europe I don't know whether people will be embarrassed when they give out and complain about people fleeing war when they hear that we've taken 0.39% less than half of 1% of Ukrainians fleeing war, according to Statista.com. And that's since February of 2022. They also say that 14.3 million border crossings have been made from Ukraine to other countries up to the 18th of this month. Most of them fled to and stayed in Poland. All right, so we've taken less than half a percent. Back after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Referencing a story about tents earlier on this morning, just around about 10 minutes to 11 this morning. That actually is a story uh, that maybe in the conversation I confused with with from Moy, it's actually a story um, from County Offaly, Eden Derry, County Offaly, um, and it's a post that was put up by a local councillor. who said a couple with three young children, aged four, six, and eight, from Eden Derry, are currently looking for accommodation in or near the town. The father of the children is working, and t- until a few months ago, they were paying two and a half thousand euro per month for an apartment in Dublin, which was simply unsustainable and leaving them with nothing left for food, clothing, electricity and other basic necessities. Since leaving the apartment, they've been staying in the homes of family members and friends. Having approached the authorities looking for help, they were told that nothing is available for them. They were offered two tents and told that if they used the tents, Tusla would be contacted to take their three children. The children attend school in Edenderry. The family were found sitting together on a bench today by a relative as they have nowhere else to go. As they're a working family, 
they have a deposit and have two months' rent saved. Um, the councillor was asking if anyone had suggestions or knows of any accommodation, please comment on this post or send me a message. And that was a, a plea for help for that young family who ultimately then, that's a couple with three young children, all aged under eight, uh, sitting on a park bench uh, by a relative because they had nowhere else to go. Uh, many texts and calls and emails. I need to mix it up this hour now. I'll take another couple of calls and texts on this, but I have uh, other issues as well to deal with. Uh, we'll jump back into it. Um, you know full well, and many people complaining know that it is not racist. Uh, people need to give more backing to Irish people with alternative opinions to the ones that you wish to air, I suppose. Uh, he's spot on with all the facts he had. He's the ground. He's on the ground every day in the middle of all of this refugee carry-on. And all you're concerned about is trying to catch him out and label him with nonsense, nonsense words like fascist. Uh, never called anybody a fascist. He's fighting for us and our children and for future Irish generations. Another person says, I'm delighted as for yesterday's programme, Neil got his ass kicked. I'm happy with that, actually. I, I have no problem with that. But people being passionate or emotive or giving me an ass kicking, no bother in the white earthly world. Um, here we go. Bash the Ukraine with pure misinformation about the war and what people have suffered. I've taken in women in tears at home. They had jobs, houses and businesses. Why would they leave this for a bedsit and welfare? It's government policy problems, not the Ukrainians. People who think otherwise are shameful. Yeah, um, it's very interesting, though, um, from the point of view of trying to uh, facilitate people who have opinions or points of view. So they got me in the middle and you got people with varying points of view. So one bashes the other and both bash me. I understand that's the way it works. I have no problem with that. I wouldn't be doing it otherwise. Um, he is so right. I was a victim of this discrimination twice. I've been 17 months waiting for my welfare allowance alone. 17 months waiting for it. And I've been refused a medical card. It's the government who is racist. Ukrainians got 43,000 medical cards and all I got was welfare eventually. I wrote hundreds of emails to the welfare officer over a 16-month period and I lived on borrowed money. Nobody gave me a handout uh, while I had no money. Uh, Ukrainians paid no tax nor PRSI. I paid all my taxes and PRSI for years. This, for me, is the sad truth. Keep those common text 0868104106. Um, to people I didn't get to before 11 this morning. Julie, good morning. Hello, hi. Do bear in mind now that the news at 11 o'clock this morning with regards to our healthcare system, which is already overburdened enough. There are 82 patients on trolleys in the COH this morning, the largest in the country. Um, your thoughts, please. Um, well, to be honest with you, like, there's always been a crisis in, um, you know, in, in Ireland when it comes into, you know, the winter and the flu and everything like that, I suppose. There's always been a crisis, maybe. Um, they, they haven't dealt with it. Um, the health system is ridiculous, actually, in Ireland, to be honest with you. People are working hard and basically they're not getting paid enough money, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. well, you get very little or nothing at all for the tax that you pay, really, to be quite honest with you. But one would expect a decent education system for our children and a health service that actually works where you get dealt with when you need the help most. But it, do, it doesn't happen. Um, so uh, you wanted to pick up then in defence of those that say uh, we need to close the border, is it? Well, no, not to be honest with you. Close the border of like the refugees, like yeah. as in yeah. Well, that's what no. I mean. No. no, I'm not racist at all, Neil. I'm never racist in this country. I'm going out with a foreign guy. I have no objection against people like that. It's just 
there's only a handful of people at, in Ireland at the moment talking about the homeless crisis and they're being, you know, targeted as being racist and all that. As you had Derek on yesterday and he's a great speaker. I've listened to all his posts on Facebook. He's a wonderful man. He's going out there and he, he's opening people's eyes. Other people just want to be just kind of just left in the dark and don't want to understand it, basically. Mm, yeah. Um, Do you understand me? He's a wonderful man. We have Paddy Bullman down in Yall. He's trying to, you know, do government speaking, stand up for the Irish again. Then we have another crisis, Paul Lennon in Dublin, and he is speaking as well. He's doing a seven-day, you know, homeless, you know, on the streets. He's trying to get attention of our own government you know, for all this. Like, so why then, if that's, why then, I mean, there's a lot of people in support of what he has to say. I get that. And I have the proof yeah, of it here of in front of me if anybody wants to, mm. if anybody wants, well, I can't show it to people for GDPR. But, there's a difference but, between but why, why, difference. Th- why then are there so many people as well who think there should be no airtime given at all to anybody who would incite any form of hatred or racism by targeting people? Well, he's not being haters or racism. There's a difference between hatred and passion in this country. And he's very passionate about his country. I'm the same as well. I'm very passionate about it. I'm actually, I lived in Watford for years. I've seen the state of the hostels up there. I've seen people waiting on waiting lists for nearly 10 years for housing. And they're still not being housed. I've seen people take their own lives over not being able to get a house mm. and get, you know, it's an absolute disgrace. Not even touching on mental health in this country. Yeah. Yeah. And no, they're bringing I, other people in and they're allowing them to do, you know, they're, they're putting those people first. They're, they're dividing this country. That's what they're doing. They're not, dividing. How are they putting them first? Because they're... Putting they're, them in they're, army they're, barracks and tents and hostels and places You like had that. a guy there before, a, a traveller guy. They can't, they can't go on a housing list or they can't apply for a house. Yeah, but you had a traveller guy, right, first. John um, Quilligan. Name, John? Yeah. Yes. That man... I may applaud him as to what he done. He gave that man a roof over his head. Yeah. Now that's Irish helping Irish. Now, would we get the same if we went oh, to Oh, so you can country? only help somebody if they're Irish, is it? No, I'm not being racist at all. As I said to you, I'm not being racist. But that man, he needs to be applauded. As what he said as well makes sense to me. Right. So if it was somebody homeless from another country... It wouldn't be okay to give them a loan of a mobile home. But you understand, I'm just saying, you understand the state of the country. We have fishermen down here in Castletown Bear, in West Cork. They're struggling every week to make ends meet with what they bring in. They're not getting enough quota and the government has shot to them. And how's that you the know? fault of refugees fleeing war? It's not not, even, not even half a percent of them that left their country came it here. It doesn't not make even a difference. A it's all connected, to be honest with you, because the government is just ignoring us for the last how many years? Like, So we're just being left just on our own, basically, to do your own thing and do your own criteria. And we're expected to actually put up with this in our country now. To yeah, be but, the, but, the, but, the, but the group that he represents, I believe, is a group called Ireland First. What does that mean, like, Ireland First? Ireland First, he's Is that, right, only, he's is that Ireland only the for man, Ireland, then, is it? It's not only for Ireland. As he said, it's Irish people and people that, you know, are settled in Ireland. He didn't say Irish people. He said people that actually, he didn't, he didn't mention that at all, so okay. he didn't. He all didn't right. say okay. anything about that. Okay. He's not racist. The man is not racist but I do understand his point. 
we're suffering. We have high inflation. We have high taxes. We're 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 just we're destroyed as a country. Okay. We're going to go into a recession. Then they're talking about. To, uh, the virus that's coming back. We've a load of people come in on debt. You know, it's an absolute. Ah, yeah, but your tour, that's the, you could say that about a tourist in the summertime or a winter tourist or people coming home for Christmas. They could bring all sorts of viruses in. You can't be saying that. I understand that. that somebody fleeing war is a, is a health threat. Yeah, yeah, but there's another. How many countries in in, in the world? Why do we have to, you know, overpopulate this country? Okay, thanks for that. Much obliged, Joanne. Good morning. Hi, how are you, Nate? You were recently in the COH. Tell me that story. Yeah, um, my daughter was in the hospital Saturday and I went to visit her and um, there was a homeless woman in the bed next to her. She's, I'd say, early 40s now. And um, the doctor came in and he was he was giving her a prescription for painkillers. She actually had a cracked pelvis. That's what she's in with. And... He was explaining to her, you know, to come back in three weeks for to check up on her and stuff. And she actually had a meltdown. She was crying and pleading to the doctor, so please don't let me, don't discharge me. I have nowhere to go. I can't go on the streets like this. And I just, I tell you now, my heart broke for her. So would you think that that woman actually cracked her pelvis while living on the streets in Cork or sleeping in a doorway? Yeah, well, she 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 was sleeping in a, in a, a sleeping bag. Gotcha, okay. Down okay. by Simon. Right. And okay. she fell and cracked her pelvis, but it was the pleading, you know, to, it was just heartbreaking to hear her that she was so desperate not to be put back in the street. Yeah. Now, yeah. obviously, they, I don't think they were going to do that because they have a duty of care to her because she couldn't walk. But it was the desperation. But I thought you said the doctor <laughs> said, here's a prescription, come back in three weeks. That sounds as if she had That's to vacate the way she, the bed. No, she... I think she thought he was discharging her, but he was just explaining to her that he was giving her a prescription for painkillers and she'd be brought back in three weeks for maybe another x-ray. But she thought he was discharging her. So will she now, whether he was Whether he was or not, I don't know. Yeah. But I'm, what I'm talking about is the reaction. It's got to be a very tough call hearing. anyway for a doctor who, who knows that the best for her now is rest and recuperation yeah. and painkillers, that you can't allow the bed to be used for that because there's other people who need yeah. it. Um, she but, was actually but, on a trolley. Yeah. She wasn't on a, in a bed. Well, she was, she happened yeah. Thursday. Yeah. This yeah. was Saturday. My daughter was on the trolley overnight as well. But you found it upsetting amazing. having to listen to her pleading with the cracked pelvis going back on the streets of Cork. Yeah. yeah, there was the desperation, as I said. I felt so sorry for her. Um, like, we've had nearly 700 or sorry, we've 357 homeless died in the streets so far this year, like. Mm, mm. And there's a guy there, Graham King, you might have heard of him. He was on a programme there in RT a couple of weeks back. He's living in a tent with his wife and two autistic children. I do remember that in the newspapers, yeah. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I follow him on Twitter and nobody seems to care. Yeah. Like, his wife is working and he takes care of two autistic children in a field, in a tent, and this government, there's, they don't seem to be any rush to help ever before. I'm not blaming the Ukrainians, but where is the urgency for ours? We, they, knew, they knew we had a homeless crisis ever before the war in Ukraine happened, and they'd done nothing about it. So for, the King, so for the King family, anything would be better. I mean, you can't get worse than living in a tent in a field, for instance. So he anything no is, a, so anything is a step up from that, be it, I don't know, would a yep. hostel be better than that? Certainly a hotel room would or bed but and breakfast. But he was offered no help. Yeah. 
he was offered he was on RT yeah. which is amazing because RT actually allowed him on but I was on two last April you might remember about my own son's situation that um, they were being made homeless both working couldn't find anywhere and were they? no they got no help whatsoever the landlord gave him a reprieve that he was going to travel the world for a while and my son called up last night and he was very agitated and he said ma'am I'm getting worried now that when he comes back we just can't find anywhere now they're both working me I know I know Where's the urgency? No, the rent, rent is the out, rent, rent is outside a lot of working people now. You you know that. I have to tell you that. You know that. Absolutely sure. Um, I mean, the, her wages goes on the rent. Yeah, I know. Right? I know. Well, they have to do that. They have a child. But they, they, there's no hope there. They're bidding on CBL. And if you want me to come back to you with addresses, I can walk outside my door, down the road, and I can point four houses to you that they've bidded on. And that's back in April. And they're still boarded up. Still boarded up. And they were there to bid on in April. There's two. They, yeah, actually they were. They're, they bid on in April. That's nearly six months ago. Yeah. And Does I it sound as if there's much of a crisis within those that are shifting the houses? Because they don't care. They don't care. Oh. Their priorities are all wrong. Okay. They knew we had a homeless crisis ever before the war in Ukraine. And they didn't care. And they still don't care. And it's time the Irish people woke up now. Okay, thanks, Joanne. Timmy. By saying this, it's not being racist, but we have to help people. Let me talk to Timmy. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you, Julie. Timmy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, uh, It's heartbreaking, actually, your story. Go ahead, yeah. Jesus, it's it's horrendous listening to your show, even though it's very informative. Um, This is a lot of issues out there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of division out there. Yeah. There a lot, is, of na- yeah. lot of name calling out there. Ah, oh, yeah, sure, that all comes from the NGOs. Oh, well, forget about any of that kind of stuff. You're going to be as bad as them now. Will you just just try and keep the ball on the ground for a while? Your poor mother, though, um, was diagnosed with pan- pancreatic cancer, was it? Yeah, I, I spoke about it before, but I'm just raising, raising the issue in relation and to... And you battled um, for a medical card. Yeah, um, essentially, uh, she, she was given two years to... Uh, to live, but she, after leaving hospital, she passed away within four, four or five weeks. Uh, and her wishes, even though she had, I believe this, this system is that um, if you have private health, health cover, you can go to Marymount, but if you want to stay at home, you, you, you're entitled to a medical card because she wanted to pass away, she wanted to, you know, get her care at home. And uh, we, she passed away before she got the medical You need card. to move around a bit there, Timmy. It's a, it's a bad phone line. She wanted to pass Sorry. away at home. Yeah, go on. She, yeah, and she passed away uh, before, um, you know, the, the medical card came uh, weeks after she passed away, you know. So it should be like essentially, you know, if, if, if you have people arriving without passports to the border of this country and they're getting medical cards, um, you know, I, I suppose I go back to what people are saying, you know, Irish first, you know, she's a generational taxpayer. Um, to part of, you know, Irish first equates to a lot of people as being racist. Well, that's just in jail speak, as far as I'm concerned. Well, you keep going on about charities. Why? What? What are you doing that for? Because a lot of well, I'm talking about uh, uh, migration charities that are funded by the likes of George Soros. You know. No, not, not, no, I mean we're not even talking about that. We're we're, we're talking about people who are well, coming here, a lot of them with the shirt part, on their back. It is part of the issue. It is, there's no point shutting me down, Neil. That is part of the issue. 15 billion was put into a fund by George Soros to fund NGOs 
to bring people my, to migrate people out of the Middle East and other countries into into Europe. Yeah, but we're not, we're not talking about the Middle East right now. We're talking about maybe half a percent of those people that have left Ukraine who came here. I understand. I'm caught in the middle of this. I've, it's impossible to con- continue with this balancing act that I'm trying to do. I because I understand how people are angry and I understand how people are frustrated. But this is a holistic problem. Like, this is, you understand, if you understand what I mean. Like, I mean, you know, this all adds into, like, if you, this all adds into the same pot of resources that are getting thinner and thinner. And thinner it's, probably, you know? it's probably a reasonable thing for people to say that we can't take any more. Does that be fair? I, 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 you know, if someone, yeah, I agree with that to a, to the to a point, yeah. Yeah, because you know, if I we do, we have nowhere I, to put them. Probably. I made the point to you before is that there is two types of uh, people coming to this country. There's legitimate people coming to the country and there's illegitimate people coming to the country. Yeah, like every country and, suffers with that, not just us. Yeah, but what is what is the percentage breakdown between both groups like? Are we top-heavy with illegitimate people coming to this country? I don't know. Maybe the C- CSO need to do uh, this, the data on that and release it, you know? Yeah, okay, okay. The so, like, the so, people, so, like, to go back to my mother, Neil, like, uh, it was traumatic for my family. I mean, it, it, it's, um, it's a scandal, really, you know? What, that the medical card arrived after she passed away? Well, she passed away with pancreatic cancer, not receiving palliative care, Neil. I know, yeah, I know. But she... she, 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 she it's not just a willy-nilly, so nobody, she passed away. No. Hang on a second. No, no, hang on a second. It's not just willy-nilly, she passed away. Yeah. She passed Who away. Who said it was? Yeah. I didn't say it was. Yeah, well, like, there's people coming on this radio, this morning I've been listening, that's why I called in, that are saying, because I'm making the point, my mother first, or Irish first, okay, that I'm a racist. I'm not a racist to make that point. I'm an Irish citizen, a generational taxpayer into this country, okay? Generations of, have, have been here. And the point is, is that we do come first because it is our pot of money. Mm. You know? No, I, I understand that. And I understand you're talking on behalf of a lot of people who are saying words like that and have sentiments like that. You know? I understand that because so, they... And, and so the, the, the government... The, 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 the people that are in government in this country are absolutely, totally uh, detached from reality and they need to go, including Sinn Féin. Yeah, so you take all the governments out, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, the Greens and Sinn Féin. Who, who runs God, the country then? Especially the Greens. God love us. The Greens are... are are the greatest shower of fascists ever come across. Yeah, well, life. that's charming, Torm. Here we, here we are using these words again. Racist, well, fascist, are, neo-Nazi. They're, they're, like, they're environmental fascists. All right. Okay. All right, yeah, my man. Okay. Stay, like, stay in touch. Stay in touch. Stay in touch. Thanks. Cheers. Made a lot of points. Keith, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you keeping? You, you really want to know? But anyway, not, it's not about me. It's, yeah. about, it's about you guys. So what's on your mind? Yeah. Well, I, I just think, um, like as I said, the voice note there. I, I just don't think it's it's fair that people are, you know, that we're all made, we're all looking now, and we're seeing that the government is all of a sudden has loads of money to be able to do X, Y, and Z for everyone outside of the country, and doing very little for our own people, which is unfair. Does no one can say any different? At a time of crisis for many Irish families. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's 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 like there's a, there's an there's an old Irish there's an old saying 
charity begins at, begins at home. Yeah, but that charity could be given to others here at home who want to come here could, because they need to for a short period of time and then they will go back and pick up their lives and no, rebuild their no, homes. No, they won't. But there you go. How, how do you know that? It won't. It won't happen. Well, so, if, so what okay, will happen? Okay, so what okay, will happen okay, next? No, I put, okay, one second. I'll put it like this to you, all right? As a sh- 14 years ago, I, I left Ireland. I moved to Slovakia, right? Yeah. No, I, did, I was earning very good money in Slovakia. Okay, compared to a, an just compared to a Slovakian person was I was earning way more money than they were, about three or four times. But I was I was there. Nah, I'm going home. I'm go, I'm go, I'm going to go back home to Ireland because I I can I, it's better Ireland I, Ireland is better for me because I can make more money and I'll have a be, I'll have a better life all around. And it's the same thing for, for a lot of people. They go, oh, look, Ireland is better, actually. I'll, I'll make more money over there than I will, than I will at home. So what's wrong with coming here home. to work? It's, a, it's not the people who are coming here to work, Neil. What's the problem? It's we're ta- we're ta- we're t- look, a lot of people are annoyed with all the, uh, the amount of refugees coming in. Mm-hmm. right? And fair enough, look, they can be annoyed about the amount of refugees, but I'm, I'm more worried about our own people first. Charity begins at home. Okay, okay. And if pe- people are, like I know you've mentioned a couple of times now today that, oh, we've taken in a, a small percentage of refugees, we'll say, from, from the Ukraine at the moment, right? If you take, if you add up all of the refugees that have left the Ukraine since February, right, over 50% have gone to Russia. Why yeah. is that? Yeah. It's because... They wanted to be part of Russia. Ah, yeah, but I'm not going was, into the. Let's not make this an well, argument of the war. About three million went to Russia. About one and a half million went to Poland, and about a, over a million went to I, Germany. They were the three biggest. Yeah, they, yeah they're the, they're the three biggest. The yeah. Three million went to Russia. Three million. There was, as I say, the, the, the NATO and the UN a, f- a few weeks ago gave out about the referendum that Russia held in those three in those three regions of, of the Ukraine mm. and said, oh, it's unconstitutional. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. Ukraine held the same referendums in those three areas in 2014 and in 1994. And those regions wanted to go back to Russia. The Ukraine didn't hold their... Fair enough. I'm not disputing any of that. I don't know that it's relevant to the conversation that we are having with regards to taking... It is because this is... Ukrainian refugees. Nothing to do with us. Okay, nothing to... We should look after our own first. Okay, thanks for that. It's grand for the government that, as I said, the likes likes of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and Labour Party and Green Party saying, oh, this is grand, look, we'll give money there, left, right and centre, and screw the Irish people. Well, I'm sorry. It's about time the government realised that we're they're there as our employees to look after us. Okay, we Thank put them in power. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Interesting. Thank you for that, Keith. Interesting email from Marika. She's listened to your podcast. Some people don't listen live; they listen to the podcast. Um, I would encourage people actually to try and listen as much as you can to a particular topic, not kind of a snapshot of a half an hour on any particular day, because you won't get a proper flavour or a proper balance as to what I'm attempting to do if you're just listening to a snatch within a half an hour. Uh, listen to your podcast on the 24th. I would like to clarify some points. First, I would like to say that Ireland has had its difficulties for a considerable length of time. 
regarding all sorts of issues. I also have a large family in Ireland. Some have always had an easy life and don't associate with other members of the family, but others live ordinary lives, some struggling to get by more than others. So I have 100% sympathy for all the plights of Irish people who experience difficulties. But I am annoyed and distressed by the anti-Ukrainian sentiment that flowed through the show. And I would really like the chance uh, at, uh, at some time to confront particularly the Polish man who spoke on your show and said that it was the prospect of benefits that the Ukrainian people going to Ireland had. If he and also Anna, the Polish lady who also spoke to, are really Polish, uh, they would know better than to make comments they made. Ukrainians are not used to benefit culture. More to the point, they would not be in Ireland or any other country if it wasn't for the war. Anna's completely wrong to say Ukrainians are casually talking about going home on holiday. Is she mad? This may sound extreme to you and your listeners, but it won't sound extreme to Eastern European people. And I will say this, uh, some of the people who text and message and even speak on your show are not who they seem. They have agendas. They can be pro-Russian. Some may even be Russian. And now that misinformation has started to spread about Ukrainians, they're jumping on the bandwagon. I fully agree that Irish people should have had much more assistance and help from the Irish government, especially regarding housing. But this has been on for years, long before any refugees entered Ireland. I know this because some of my own family have great difficulty obtaining accommodation and those who live in more rural areas have difficulty with even public transport. Uh, the man from Pakistan who spoke on your show and said his wife is Ukrainian should not have given his opinion as far as I'm concerned because he sounded as if he was complaining. And also something about that conversation didn't sit right with me. But I really don't think the Ukrainians are complaining in any ungrateful way. More likely, they're simply saying the food they are given is not particularly edible and their diet is different to a Western diet. They'd prefer to be able to cook their own food. That way, there would be no food waste problem and thereby would be more financially viable. Can I ask that people stop believing some of the downright lies that are being spread about Ukrainians? They're not cribbing, as one of your listeners said, this uh, and other things like it. They're simply saying that some of the food provided isn't edible, and particularly food that is out of date. Ukrainians don't want charity. They've had to leave their homes, countries, jobs and family. They just want to be safe temporarily in host countries until the situation eases in Ukraine, and they'll be able to go home. Uh, any Ukrainian men between 18 and 60 years of age have to stay in Ukraine to fight. Only ones exempt are those who have some kind of disability or have been deemed unfit to fight. Some of the comments regarding this have been made in either sheer ignorance or being used to peddle propaganda. I'd implore people to take a breath, analyse the situation. Don't be taken in by the lies and propaganda that's being spread. It's an effective weapon of war and Russia will be delighted with it. Don't be taken in. Don't believe the war is just about being part of Ukraine or not. It's all over the country. Uh, to the Irish government, thank you for what you've done for Ukrainians, but do not underestimate the hardships that your own Irish people are going through in your efforts to help refugees. We need to be careful not to ignore the deep problems the Irish have, especially with regards to housing. Um, I would love the chance to speak to them, uh, particularly our Polish contributors, because the things they said were, in my mind, designed to stir up hatred. And that's from Marika Krupnik. I'm not quite sure what country Marika's from. If I were to hazard a guess, I would probably suggest maybe Poland, but I can't stand over that. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. So the councils now from the government's directive will be looking for empty homes to rent to Ukrainian refugees. And there was a a plea out for that earlier in the week. And there was also the issue of raising the 400 euro a month for a refugee to 800 per month to try and encourage people 
uh, to take in a refugee into your own home. Uh, Mary says, I pledged my two bed, two bath flat last March for Ukrainian refugees. Two bed, two bath. It's walk-in, no sharing, kitchen, dining area, sitting room, the lot. I spoke with two representatives from the Irish Red Cross and one from Cork County Council. Then nothing. I've tried to re-pledge my two-bed, two-bath flat with a walk-in door, no sharing, kitchen, dining area, sitting room, but the Irish Red Cross page for pledging comes up as blank. What can they expect anyone to do? This is their last chance or I'm keeping my holiday home as mine. I'm in my 60s. I don't know how many more years I'll have to use this flat. I only have it two years, but I know the needs of refugees are greater than mine. What Mary is saying is that she's got it. They can have it. They can put families in there or individuals from Ukraine, but there's nobody listening. So I'll pick up on this in the morning again, just by virtue of the huge response. But if I can just mention one other topic that we dealt with yesterday morning, some key numbers. 12.30 a.m., the times in which pubs can serve drink till 2.30 a.m., the times at which late bars can serve drink till 6 a.m., the times at which uh, nightclubs can stay open till and 10.30 a.m., the time of the morning at which you can get your first drink. If someone wants to use drugs, he'll do it at an early stage of the night when he goes out, not at six in the morning. So your argument about increased cocaine taking in in pubs is not valid. Most of the world has nightclubs working till morning. In Croatia, you can get a drink at any stage, even if you're going for a coffee at six in the morning. Do you remember when the tall ships came to Cork? The pubs and clubs were given a blanket extension. Granted, there were more pubs in the city then. My idea would be to have a 6am closing Thursday, Friday and Saturday in the pubs. This could coincide with a four-day working week for the majority and eliminate absenteeism and giving a great feel of a long weekend every weekend and resting hard-working staff on a Sunday. So you'd have 6am Thursday, Friday and Saturday uh, at the weekend. Uh, I wonder then would it take everybody, if that was the case, the whole of the next week to recover from it. Uh, If anything... Opening hours being increased or lengthened, I suppose, would probably be less fights and people will leave when they want rather than when they're told with everyone spilling onto the streets at the same time. Uh, Can't see this being an issue. Uh, We all have the same money, so we can't afford to be out every night, all night anyway. Maybe Temple Bar might be different. Uh, These changes will cater for people who go back to house parties. Not every pub will stay open. Uh, At most, one or two might avail of the later hours. God help us if we get a tired bouncer. Uh, where they play judge and jury at the door. You can walk into a nightclub anywhere in Ireland these days, except Cork. Reason why? The bouncers. That's just a selection of texts and that. I'll do more of those yesterday. But the extension for pub hours has been agreed by the Cabinet. 12.30, as I say, and the club's till 6 o'clock. Won't happen until maybe mid-next year, I suppose. But Seamus took to the streets of Cork just to gauge public opinion on the plan to, uh, you know, change the nighttime economy and what have you. Just get the views of the people of Cork. Have an aged. I, 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 no, I have no problem with it. Make a change anyway. Give yeah. people a choice to, to go out and do what they want to do without being partial to anybody. Like. I mean, we're from the States and a lot of bars that are open till 2, 2 a.m., yeah. 3 and would so. you see a lot of hassle after after the uh, the bars nightclub closed you know, the tour typically the, you know the normal stuff usually in America I mean usually the normal stuff you know there's always going to be some I mean it's never going to never not be any but I don't think staying open later is going to make any make any worse uh, I don't think so to be honest the nightclubs because teenagers are going there at yeah, 6 o'clock, o'clock. Is too late for them I'd say 
will be grand to open the pub till half twelve. I don't mind that. Do you think it might put extra pressure on the emergency services, like the A&E, the it ambulance? Put more pressure on the checking the IDs. And as, the as a security guard going in, is it? Yeah. There's many teenagers going to the clubs, and if they will be sitting there till six in the morning, that's not great, I think. How is people going to go to work the next morning? Are they drinking all night and getting the cars and driving them? Do you think it mightn't just stagger the the um, the times? Like older people might go out later, and younger people might go out. I know people go around. I know people are afraid to go. They can be checked in general. Do you know what I mean? Is that a fear? Like, like oh, yeah, yeah. Even in the daytime, they can be afraid even to go up the daytime. No, even as they're watching you, even around with your bag. They're watching you, like. I'm right. She's nervous. Well, I think the bash will stay open the weekend for until, until half past 12 anyway, but during the week. I don't think they wouldn't be doing too much anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's probably more Thursday to There's more Sunday. Week, yeah. more, more weekend. And what about yeah. the nightclubs being able to keep going till 6am? <gasps> I don't know much about them, they're too old. <laughs> but do you think it would put a lot of pressure on, say, the emergency services, put pressure on taxis? Possibly, yeah, yeah. Possibly. You know, possibly, yeah. And the emergency services, anyway. No matter about taxis. Is that a worry? Well, it is a worry, yeah, if you had, if you had your, your, your own daughters or something going out, like, at that order of the morning. Yeah. There's not enough ambulances at the moment. No. That's why people are not going out now, then we can't get taxis home, even ourselves, we can't go to the pub still, then, you should know. Yeah, we can't get home. Can't get out. There's no taxis. As you know, the mercy is overcrowded as there is in the region, as you know. I mean, so I would take a last leg. First of all, I don't want to work until 6am and I think the people that are going to be having enough energy to be drinking until 6am aren't going to be the most, I don't know how to say the this. customers we want. <laughs> yeah, essentially. If it was like double pay or you're getting paid a yeah. good bit, yeah, maybe, but like it can't be the same rate that we're doing the normal hours. Yeah, it's not, that's not reasonable, I don't know. And do you think it would put pressure on the emergency services like the A&E and the ambulance? Potentially, yeah. And security. Potentially, services. it depends on the regulations that they put in with like that time frame. You know, I feel like they'd have to be strict with security, you know, there's but it would probably give more jobs because of that reason that there's more time to work. So it would depend you know, on struggling to get staff. So yeah, yeah, no one yeah. wants to work in hospitality. So you must say you're struggling to get staff, is it? Well the industry as a whole is, yeah. So I don't see how they're gonna I would say only a couple of pubs would even go to six anyway if it came in. You know. That they'd have the capability to go to six. Yeah, because you'd either need a whole other shift or you need dedicated staff. But then again, do oil. people have more <laughs> spending power? You know, it's the Maybe. other thing. So the law might be there, but will will people be able to go out till six? Not in its current state, no. No. <laughs> Okay. I don't think they'd be able to afford it. Maybe they could have a new license to do like a one-off go to six yeah. rather than all the time. You know, you can apply for a license for like Jazz Weekend, for example, or whatever. Uh, like they already have late licenses, just have better late licenses. Cross-section of opinions from the people of Cork. Text 0868104106 if you're heading out over the long weekend, the jazz weekend. I've got some more tickets to give away again this morning. And this week we're giving away pairs of tickets for Saturday night at the Metropole, which is the hub of the jazz. We also have tickets for Sunday night. Hopefully I'll get some more tickets for more venues. I think I have some coming from the Everyman as well and other venues. But of course, by and large, the jazz is free to all in the pubs and clubs across the city. But I'll open the phone lines on that in about five or six minutes' time. 
The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Another story that I just want to cover, and I'll cover it more. I don't have much time left for it now, but I want to talk to uh, Maureen Hickey. Maureen, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. Now, your ears must have been burning. I was talking about you on the air a couple of days ago. You set up the petition on behalf of parents and students of St. Vincent Secondary School. My understanding is that next year, St. Vincent's will be gone after being on Leaside from since 1853. And all of the students will move to the North Prez and it will change from a girls' school to a boys' and a girls' school. Parents are unhappy. Students are unhappy. I've been sent a copy of the St. Vincent Secondary School Students Council. They say parents feel violated and they say staff, pardon me, and students are heartbroken. Why? Our community, our school community has been completely devastated by this announcement. That many of us found out about via the media on Thursday morning because the trustees wouldn't even give the staff in the school time to gently break it to parents and students. Okay. What will happen with St. My my mother, I'd love her opinion on it, but she's passed away. She went to St. Vincent's. What will happen to the old school? No one knows. There is there is a lot of talk that the land is being sold, that that of where the school stands and the convent behind it are being sold. Who owns it? But that uh, the sisters, okay. the trustees so, of the school. So is it, uh, that would be the Sisters of Mercy, is it? Uh, sisters of Charity. Sisters of Charity own it. Is it their decision then to close it and sell it? Well, the decision lies completely with the trustees. Okay. The trustees look after it on their behalf, is it? Yes. Okay. So, because I know on the south side, there are still a lot of existing girls only and boys only school. Not too far from where I live, there would be Regina Mundy. No boys there. A lot of the students are saying that they want it to stay as a girls only school and they want to stay in their own old school, right? Well, 100% of the students want to stay in the building of St. Vincent's, which, Neil, I don't know, have you ever had the pleasure of visiting? Yeah, I, 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 I was on the land, but I was never in the school. No, I was more it, in and around is, the convent. Yeah, it is one of the most welcoming schools you can ever cross the threshold of. It is a wonderful school. They welcome every single person from every background into that and make it a fantastic community inside there. Um like we just can't comprehend it 96% of our girls wanted to stay an all female campus they're comfortable in the school they love the school they want to have this they feel blindsided on it they say that nobody asked them But but should students opinions count of course it's their education Neil it's their future it's they are the ones directly impacted but would there, yeah, but I'm just, listen, forgive me for being the devil's advocate. Will their education suffer as a consequence of going to the North Press? Of course it will, because the speed of the proposed amalgamation is too fast. There isn't even a steering committee established to guide the two schools to come together and at, at the moment. So they, they can't, there is no way, these processes normally take years, two to three years from the steering committee being established before schools are brought together. They also say instead they're getting no choice whatsoever on the north side and it's disrespectful to have money invested in single-sex schools in the south side of the city but the single-sex schools in the north side are being forced into a co-ed system that the girls don't want to be part of. Exactly, you see, and I do strongly feel 
Okay, education isn't one size fits all. I have three daughters, Neil. One was in second level co-education. She got to senior cycle and asked to be moved to an all-girls school. My middle girl required an all-girls secondary school. My youngest girl is in co-education. It's choices parents make for their okay, children. So just dealing with that alone then, um, do the parents or the girls feel that they wouldn't be safe in co-ed schools with boys? It's not a matter of safety, Neil. It's a matter of where the best potential can be got out of the students. If the girls on the south side can have the option of having co-ed without being questioned on it, why can't the girls on the north side? Well, the they do. Isn't Christ the King one of them? Regina Mundy's another, and I just know... But this, yeah. but this is it. So do, do we have to tra- traverse the whole city to find all-girl education for our daughters? But maybe we should be looking at education that doesn't determine sex, whether it's male or female students. Maybe we need to move away from that. But if if that is being... Well, there's no move towards that on the south side of the city, Neil. Right. Let's yeah. be honest about okay. that. Yeah. So I don't know why they are starting. There is co-ed option straight across the road from September from St. Vincent's if somebody wants to choose that for their child. My choice, I visited lots of schools in Cork City for my daughter... St. Vincent's was the best option. It seems as if there's a lot of pride involved in the education of the children in St. Vincent's and you want that to continue. What's happening? What's happening? Are you asking for this to be pushed back, delayed? I know you have a petition. We are asking now for this process to be paused for further discussion. That it's moving far too quickly and it's the children are going to suffer at the end of the day. And did you really hear it first on media? Yes. Good God. You mean there was no communication, no letter, no email, nothing? The trustees released the letter in the media before the board met with the trustees on Wednesday afternoon after the school was closed. And the principal had, was talking to each year group and he hadn't got around to every year group before it had broken at nine o'clock on the media in Cork. So a breakup of a great school and more fracturing of the local community. Uh, are you exactly. encouraging people to sign the petition and get on board? I am. I'm encouraging, and I'm encouraging people to lend their voices to it. The north side of the city have a lot of pride in their area and in their heritage, and we need to pre- preserve St. Vincent's for the future generations of girls who choose female education? Yes, I got you. No, you've you've covered all of the ground uh, time for this morning. If people do want to get involved and do want to sign the petition, where's the port of call? Um, there's links widely on social media. There's a Facebook page set up at Save St. Vincent Secondary School. Very straightforward. Save St. Vincent Secondary School. I'd love to talk yeah. to some other parents over the coming days on this subject if they're listening and they want to get in touch. But you stay yep. in touch as well, Maureen, and let me know how things go in the future. Thank you so much. I will, of course. Cheers Thanks for very now. Much, take care. Take Bye. care. Uh, opposition to the closure and the amalgamation of uh, St. Vincent's into the North Press. Our lines will stay open. I'll revisit some topics again in the morning. I promise you that. Get in touch. Text 0868 I won't get to read all of the text, but I'll give it a damn good shot. You can always email neil at uh, redfm.ie. We have tickets to give away, as I said earlier this morning, for the jazz for Saturday night and Sunday night at the Metropole Hotel, which is the hub. Pick up the phone on that one now. 0818 Most importantly, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.